Hi, everybody. Welcome to the program. It's this is your August one warning. Look out. This is the Jeff Gerstmann show. Uh, I am hosting this week's installment of the show. My name is Jeff Gerstmann. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Hi. uh, Welcome. We're here. There are some uh, video games of recent note worth discussing. And perhaps also uh, some news from the world of video games to talk about as well. Uh, and of course, your emails later on. And I've got a drink here. I've got a, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've been, I've been living the high life drinking energy drinks that I want to drink instead of the energy drinks that I need to drink to fill out this list. And so, uh, you know, I was at the store the other day and I saw one that I was pretty sure I hadn't tried before. That's that's been the the thing more often than not. As I see a drink, go. I'm pretty sure that's not on the list yet. And most of the time, I'm right. Sometimes I buy and go like, oh no, I totally did drink this. I remember this now. Um, but yeah, uh, a full uh, a full packed show. It, it's uh, it, it's my birthday today. I don't you know. So thank uh, thanks everybody for watching and listening and all that other stuff. I don't I don't know what those two things have to do. Uh, with each other, you can go to patreon.com slash Jeff Gersman, get yourself a ad free uh, version of the podcast as well as some uh, bonus shows. Uh, I uh, spent some time yesterday putting together some of the first notes for the next episode of Game Boys to Men. So we'll, we'll you know, that'll be coming your way in maybe another week or so here. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, I. I uh, there's been a couple of things lately that you know. Your birthdays. I, I don't. It's not really something I pay super close attention to. <laughs> if that if that makes any sense, I don't know. Like past a certain point, and for me, that certain point I think was in my late twenties. Uh, it was just like, man, whatever. Um, and so. Yeah, I don't know the 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 whole birthday thing. It's it's cool. It's one of those things where it, it's um one of those cool surprises that you don't necessarily expect uh, from having kids is that your kids will get excited about your birthday because you know your spouse will rev them up for it. And you know, so my daughter ran in and they sang happy birthday and they they went off to um they they, they yeah I don't know they're they're they went out for the day. Uh, it's, it's less hot today than it has been for the last week or two. Um, but you know, on their way out now, that, that was, it was fun. It was fun. You know, like, Hey, this is cool. Um, but yeah, you know, the actual, like, you know, what am I going to, you know, my wife was like, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like fucking nothing. I don't know. I'm like, what, you know, I don't know. I just bought a new router. <laughs> like, I don't need, you know, what are socks? I actually do need some socks. I don't ever wear them though. I need a new pair of shoes. We went to the beach over the weekend. Um, and uh, I only, so I, ever since the pandemic started, I've basically only been wearing one pair of shoes. So all the way back 2020, I had this one pair of Adidas NMDs, uh, if you're familiar, uh, that I just wore. They were comfortable and, uh, and just a, a good versatile pair of shoes. I'm not showing out for anybody because where the fuck am I, you know, especially, you know, now I'm like working from home. Like, you know, my wife doesn't, I don't need to break out a pair of crispy fours to show my wife, you know, like it's, it's fucking who cares. Um, 
And so I've just been wearing, you know, when I need shoes, I just throw on these Adidas. But I wore them to the beach, and uh, they already, there was a hole in the toe, because it's kind of the stretchy material, which is part of what makes them too comfy. It's like, these are shoes, but they're kind of like slippers. This is fun. Um, and so eventually there's a, a, you know, a hole worn through where my big toe is, which maybe that's a sign that I need to trim my toenails more often, but let's not get into that. Uh, anyway, there's a hole in there. And, um, and so I was already thinking like, I need to get some new shoes, but then I wore them to the beach and we made sandcastles and stuff and my daughter needed water. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go get some of that. So I, you know, had to kind of get out there a little bit and I'm like, oh, my shoes are completely underwater right now. That's, that's fine. But, uh, but these, these shoes are, I've seen better days. So I, but I think, you know what? I might just fucking, so I've got, I don't know. 20 or 30 pairs of shoes here. But none of them are like throw on comfortable like those NMDs are. Um and so I don't I I don't really want to mess around, you know, I I'm not going to like pull out some fancy pair of shoes. I got a bunch of weird shoes too. I need there's some I need to get rid of. There's a there's a pair of New Balance with like digital camo on them that I bought in Japan. And they're size 12s, even though I'm a size 13, because they don't make shoes that go up to size 13 and sell them in Japan, turns out. Um, but they were so sick looking at the time, I was like, well, I'm getting these anyway, and maybe they'll fit. No, of course they didn't fit. Dumb. Dumb. Um, and what else? I don't know. I've got a, size, a pair of size 14 PlayStation shoes that they were selling at E3 that that one year. Uh, cause they were out of my size. So I want to size up and then I'm just like, I should just sell these. I don't, I'm not going to even wear them. Even if they did fit, they're not great. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, that's uh yeah. Concerned one in the chat says you need to just give up all pretension and get Crocs. They're real comfortable. I have a pair of Adidas slides, you know, like sandals or whatever, like Velcro, Velcro jobbies. Uh, that I throw on of like I got to take out the garbage, you know, anything like that, you know. So, so I've, that's those are very croc like. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're uh, we're my daughter has croc. My the rest of this family, other than me, owns Crocs and wears them on a on a fairly regular basis. My daughter's got all these like they call them gibbets, and they're little. Th- you know how the Crocs have holes in them where you cram stuff through the holes. And and they have stuff on them, so like you can get there's like official ones, and then there's a a bunch there's a budding market for bootleg gibbets. Um, and so I don't know. She she's got all her Disney princesses in the in in the gibbet holes and everything, and they light up when she steps, and she's super excited about it. They you know so yeah. And my son just got his first pair a little bit ago, and they're very handy for. Like, oh, crap, these kids got to go outside right now, and I need to throw some shoes on them. They're, they're really great for that. Um, so, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not, like, morally opposed. I mean, look, we're going to go probably have to buy a minivan soon, so I'm not, you know, like, I'm not, like, one of these. And it's funny. You can tell. You talk to people that don't have kids, and you say, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we got a third kid on the way, so we're going to go get a minivan. And there's been some people in our lives they're just been like, oh no, don't give up the dream. Don't do it. Oh, like fuck. It's a fucking car. Who cares? It's, it doesn't, it so doesn't matter. It's also not the only car we will, that we will own, but also there are no SUVs big enough to fit 
um, what we're doing, unless you go get some gaudy Ford Explorer, some fucking nightmare like that. But like, you know, I had, I've had this stupid Lexus NX, which is like a, not their full size SUV, but it is basically, it is very similar in size to their full size SUV. And we've been trying to go places with that for years. Even, even when we only had one kid, you couldn't fit shit in that car. It's fucking trash. The Lexus NX, if you're trying to haul stuff somewhere, it's fucking garbage. Unless you can fold the seats down. But if you have a car seat, you can't fold your fucking seats down. It's a disaster of a vehicle. An absolute piece of trash. Um, and also one of the most boring cars I've ever driven. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're, you know, we've, we've been talking minivan for a while and, you know, like we we're we don't have a ton of time left before there's another person living here. And so, um, you know, we're, we're going to investigate a couple of different brands of minivan, I guess. But like, yeah, I don't know. We need to bring people places and we need to bring, you know, gear like a big stroller or, uh, you know, um, bed type things crib style things for some of those people to to sleep in or you know in or whatever so i don't know yeah I, i've never been precious about like any of that stuff and and when people get that way it's just nuts to me that people are you know like oh you've the dream is dead you're getting a minivan oh no like no i'm you know we have a family of fucking five it's cool that you're like you're drinking yourself to sleep four nights a week uh, alone like that's you know uh, that's a choice good going but uh that is not the life we're leading <laughs> so we need to fucking move kids places so um so yeah we've been investigating that stuff so what all that is to say i'm not above wearing crocs i just uh I, you know it's whatever um but but yeah i don't know i'm probably gonna end up I, i'm i'm gonna end up uh with some kind of um, you know, uh, some kind of probably an, another pair of, of Adidas NMDs uh, at, at some point here. Um, because those, those shoes have been real good to me since they came out. I, I can't quite find the ones that I really want because they don't make them in that. But the they make a lot of NMDs that are not stretchy on the top. And I don't know what the word for that material is. So when you're looking at them, you got to look at them real close and go, is that the stretchy material or not? Mm. Um, and, and you know, whatever else, but I, I, I gotta look into that because those shoes are fucking destroyed. Um, now that they, they've already had a hole in them, you know, all this other stuff. And now they, they spent significant time in the sand underwater and I'm like, eh, whatever. I was looking to get rid of them anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't know. The beach was super fun. Like we, you know, we made some sandcastles and and wandered around. It was a, it was an incredibly good time. We went out to eat after that. It was not, that was not fun. <laughs> it was very hot. It's been in the high nineties here lately. Uh, and, uh, you know, young kids taking them out to eat at restaurants. It's real. It's not dicey is not the word. Cause we've had times where it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely splendid. The kids are fine with it and, and everything. And then there's other times where it's just like, this is all right. You're borderline vomiting. You're not eating. This is all right. What are we doing here? You know, it's a whole thing. Um, 
but yeah, the, the, the beach was an awesome time. Um, let's drink this drink here real quick. Let's find out what this is about before we get into some video games here. This is a, what is this? A Monster Ultra Fiesta Mango. I'm like, Fiestas are fun, but an Ultra Fiesta? Man, that sounds like a good time. Mango also sounds like a good time. Though in the world of energy drinks, I will probably tell you that, uh, you know what? I'm just going to quickly search the word mango because I don't think, okay, C4 Mango Foxtrot is our number eight drink. Maybe I should just bring this up so you can... uh you know, see the list with me here. So there, there have been some mango-oriented drinks that have... Uh, oh, oh, that's not... That's not it. That's still not it. Nope. This is... I, this, fuck this. Fuck Notion, man. Notion is a... Uh, Real mess of a program. It's real useful when it's useful. It's real not when it's not. <laughs> um, okay. It's quirky. Let's call it. It's, it's a quirky piece of software. All right. We have five matches for Mango. C4 Mango Foxtrot number eight. Grizzly Energy Orange Mango is number 13. Gatorade Fast Twitch Tropical Mango is number 39. Ghost Tropical Mango is number 45. So that's actually, Mango has done quite well for itself, which is uh, not what I would have initially expected. I would have thought there would have been some some really rotten mangoes down low on the list, but um, but no, Mango has done quite well for itself. So, you know, and that's, hmm, hmm, we'll see. Monster Ultra Fiesta Mango. I don't know. Fiesta to me doesn't imply a flavor, but if it was more like a little more of a tropical kind of, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect with this mango. That's it. Now this ultra fiesta celebrates the nights that turn into mornings and the friends we now call familia. Really? That's the, that's the copy you wrote for this. Like you had to write like two paragraphs of copy to go on here to describe what this was. And that that's like, how many meetings did they have about the, the copy that, that went on the back of the ultra fiesta mango can zero sugar, ultra fiesta is juicy mango flavor into the ultra. We love finished off with a, all right, the, you're rehired, whoever wrote this. Finished off with a full load of our Monster Energy Blend. Denada! And then that's what they wrote at the end. Denada! All right, uh, it's time to drink a full load here on camera. Uh, yes, uh, poor La Familia. Full loads for everybody. Um, ah, woo. what the fuck was going on there? It was like, uh, it was like someone smoked a cigarette and blew it in my face. And then there was a little bit of mango. <laughs> okay. That was a weird first smell, but okay. It is settling down a little bit, but 
Yeah, that's. I wonder. We should. You know, an interesting thing to do would be to get. And I guess they don't make these anymore because they because the, the you know because of the nanny state. But uh, um, get like all the weird flavored. You know, go get like a mango flavored vape, and then smell this and smell that and mm, mm, and see if they actually smell the same. All right. Um, that's just mango. You know, it's fine. Like, it's good. I don't, they just didn't want to call it ultra mango. Was that, they're like, ultra mango is not enough. Like, it needs to be, we got to pep this up a little bit. Ultra fiesta mango. Ah, perfect. Corner office for you. Um, Oh, so they, okay, yeah, uh, Grand Flyer in the chat says it started as just Ultra Fiesta. So maybe, yeah, maybe they just had, maybe someone loved the name Ultra Fiesta. And then they're like, no one knows what Fiesta fucking tastes like, Bill. They're like, it tastes like a full load. Don't take this from me. And they said, no, Bill, we're going to keep it. We're just going to call it Ultra Fiesta Mango. Um... This is this is okay. Hmm. You could uh, you could guzzle this full load of uh, of monster fiesta ultra fiesta mango. It's just mango. I don't know. There's something about the raw, like the the more mango flavor goes into an energy drink. <coughs> I'm trying to like put it into words here. Um, it's that when I smelled it and I was like, it smells like someone's smoking cigarettes. There's, there's, it's like, there's a, there's something dirty in this. It's like a mango that's been on the ground rolling around for a while. It's a dirty, it's a dirty mango. There's a hair on it. Oh, cause there's a there's a hair on my ultra fiesta mango. Dirty in a good way? No, not necessarily dirty in a good way. This this tastes fine. It's just a little um. And you know what? I might feel that way about actual mango. There's something about the just general mango flavor that's just a little mealy, or um. Just something, yeah, something a little, a little, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's get this on the list so we can move on and talk about some video games. Gritty, yeah, a gritty mango. Yeah, mango, mango is, I like mango, but there's something about it that's a little odd at times, I guess I would say. All right. Well, we do need to put it on the list. I think it's uh I think it's a better drink than Monster Ultra Strawberry Dreams, that's for sure. Um The Prime Energy Orange Mango was all right. I mean, it's, you know, as a comparative mango drink, like the the Prime Energy is more orange than mango. Um 
I think it's a little bit, well, hmm. Hmm. Is it better than Freedom Ice? I don't think it's better than Prime Energy Tropical Punch, I will say. Which is not the best punch flavor, obviously. But, uh, but it's a pretty, it's a, it's a, it's a really good, it's a good punch flavor. It's no C4 fruit punch, honestly, which is a heck of a drink and has way more caffeine than, uh, than Rockstar's, uh, fruit punch. So if you're looking for, if you're looking for a full load first thing in the morning, might I recommend C4. C4 has a, you know, not, not to get into some energy drink news here. Actually, let's get this on the list before we, before we get distracted. Um, where were we? We were looking at Prime Energy Tropical Punch. We're looking at Freedom Ice and Clickbait. Okay, I think it's this is better than the Blue Raspberry Sour Patch Kids. Uh, is it better than Clickbait? I'm, I'm, hmm. Okay, here's a, what we're going to do. I'm going to slide this in. Monster Energy Ultra Fiesta Mango. I feel like I'm reading out like NATO Lima Foxtrot. Okay, there it is. It's our new number 29. It's a good drink. This is a good drink. This is a good drink. Solid mango beverage. Um, mango, turns out. A solid flavor for energy drinks in general. Even if I personally think that sometimes the mango flavor can be a little, a little grimy. Grimy in a way that you're like, does this have 17% alcohol? Is it, you know, like a, the same way, like a fruit flavored bottle of like Cisco can be, can be grimy. Uh, what number it was, uh, that's, it is number 29 on our list. Um, now we just got to finish it, get this full load. Um, C4 has some WWE themed flavors, uh, that they have announced and rolled out, but it is not widely available. Um, and it is only being sold by the case. And I am trying to find way well if i have to get a case i'll get a case uh there's two flavors what are they called here let's look in fact let's look at the location near me to see if they have it in stock yet because i would much rather just go over and get it uh than to oh what the heck all right let's they have two flavors, Ruthless Raspberry and Berry Power Bomb. And then they have some, you know, because they, they do powders because it's fucking pre-workout also. So they have a bunch of different flavors for the powders as well that are wrestling themed. I don't know. Um, you know, that's a cross section of this show's interests. Uh, and so we simply must, <laughs> we simply must try 
the uh, Ruthless Raspberry and the Berry Powerbomb. I would rather not have to buy 12 cans of each because uh, it is, well, it's buy one, get one 50% off mix and match on the cases, but one case is $45. And so buying these two cases of drinks would be $68. And what if they're terrible? You know what I mean? Anyway, but they don't have it in store uh, anywhere, anywhere near me. I don't know if these are going to ship. So it's like every day I check and go like, is this the day they show up in stores? Um, because maybe I could just go get one can from them or not. I, I, don't, I don't know how it works. I don't know if they break the cases up or, or what. But uh, that is, I, I, my promise to you is that I will do what I can so that we can taste test these drinks and see what the hell is going on. Because that's what we're here for. Science. One full load at a time. Hmm. Yeah, there's just a, there. like one out of every 20 dr- uh, sips, you get a little like, whoa. Whoa. A little action there. I closed the show notes. What am I going to talk about if I can't see the show notes? Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart came out on the personal computer. Um, and I have been continuing to play my way through that. That has been, uh, you know, the, the primary interest around it has been, um, you know, Hey, how well does it run on PC? Because, you know, Sony touted it so much, uh, on PlayStation five is like this. We can only do this on the PlayStation five, these worlds. And, you know, because the, the, the word rift as, as it may imply, as you may, as you may have surmised, probably not, but uh, you, you are very quickly teleporting from realm to realm in that game. It's like a multidimensional sort of thing. And so it's a lot of cases of you walking through a rift and then instantly being in a completely different environment. And it's a really impressive technical thing, I guess. Um, wherever they're hiding the loading or not, you know, it's loading super fast and they're hiding some or, you know, whatever the the situation is it's um it's a really cool look it's a really cool effect and it's very neat to see in action and so one of the things with it coming to pc was like oh i don't know how they're going to do this it's going to require an ssd and it seemed like for a while that, that maybe they 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 would require an ssd but they they don't but uh you know you'll see some load times the slower the slower your drive is the more loads you'll see uh you know you'll see some full loads but um, the game also has direct storage report and uh, direct storage is an API that Microsoft came up with for, I mean, you know, it's kind of on the Xbox side of things, but it is the short version of it is someone who is not the most technically minded, but it is basically like it'll bypass a lot of your pipeline and shove graphics directly at your GPU, basically. Um and um not a lot of games have supported it on PC as far as i can tell the only two i am aware of is um our our ratchet and clank rift apart and forspoken R- remember forspoken it's okay if you don't um and in forspoken it was like hey it's faster um but you know there's still noticeable load times um and so, uh, yeah, any, anyway, I, you know, all that is to say that I, it runs very well on PC, at least on this PC, where I do have a direct storage supporting NVMe SSD on my, as my boot drive. 
Uh, so I installed it to my boot drive. Um, and, um, you know, all of that stuff. There, there was one little hitch where you're like, oh, oh, it's it's not loading up the, the, the next area. But it was like pretty minor, all told. Really great, you know, effects and ray tracing and whatever else. But like most importantly, that game is just a wonderful video game. It's a third-person platformer slash shooter, as the games have been for a long time now. I think in the early days, it was a little hesitant. You know, I, I think I was a little hesitant to refer to them as shooters because they were they felt like platformers first, but you had guns. And nowadays, it feels more like a shooter with some occasional platforming. I guess like it feels like that the the balance has maybe shifted in favor of like there's enemies, gun them down. Um, and then occasionally when you're not in combat, you're hopping around on platforms and doing wall jumps and, and, and stuff like that. But to me, that is one of the best looking and playing, like it is probably, uh, you know, I'd have to sit there and look at a list to really feel like I'm saying this definitively, but just to throw it out there, I, I might say Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is the best PlayStation five game, um, is my favorite kind of like, you know, first party, whatever, exclusive, whatever, you know, the uh games that appear on PlayStation 5 that you look at and go like this feels like there's a fidelity here to just the experience uh, not just the graphics but also how they integrate the controller the dual sense controller and and everything else like there's a fidelity to that experience across the board that I think is wonderful it is a, just the quality it is such a high quality video game <laughs> you know um it, it plays well the guns are fun to use they've you know that this the thing they come up with every time they every time they're up to bat insomniac goes like all right we got to come up with like 12 new weird guns but the, you know one of them kind of has to be a shotgun one of them needs to be kind of a you know standard rapid fire assault rifle equivalent one of them needs you know they, they have archetypes that they hit for sure but they um they have come up with a, a good number of very fun weapons to use enemies and encounters where it is fun to use those things uh, and a story that uh, makes it all kind of come together. And it's just, a, it, again, just a wonderful experience top to bottom. I had a fantastic time playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I don't think, I, again, I don't think I've had a better time with the possible exception of like Astro's Playroom, which I think is another like delightful little chunk of thing, but you know it's short. It's you know it's it's sort of a a weird comparison to make, but um, but I think Ratchet is is the the best time I've had on a PlayStation Five. That that's actually yes, that is a, that is definitely unless we get into third party stuff that I just happened to play on PlayStation Five, which even then I don't know, but like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, I think is the best thing I've played on a PlayStation Five. Um, with those specific caveats or, or whatever. And the PC version runs great. Um, you know, I'm running it at, at, uh, on a 1440p monitor. You know, it's, it's G-Sync. It's 240 hertz on this monitor and stuff. So, you know, the frame rate is off, always above 60. And it just looks great, feels great. Um, the only thing I guess I would say is that I think playing it without a PlayStation 5 controller, you are missing a slight bit of the experience. If you don't know what you're missing, it's maybe not that big of a deal, but you end up in these situations where guns will have um, half pulls of the trigger. Where, um, 
you know, it's like, oh, uh, if you pull it halfway, you'll aim down sights or you'll, you know, you'll see an arc where the bomb you're going to throw is going to go. And then you pull it the rest of the way to actually throw it. And on a PlayStation 5 controller, they can put hard chunks in the pull of that trigger, like a stop that you have to pull past because of the way their tension triggers work. Um, that I, you know, like it, it's, it feels great on that controller. And the haptics just across the board are, are great in that game. On an Xbox 360 controller, I was playing on this, you know, these Hall Effect, this thing, this King Kong Pro 2, which I, I don't, I don't know how this became my controller of choice, but it's this, this is this King Kong Pro 2 has become, become the controller I use nowadays. Um, uh, the haptics of the like vibration and whatever else still felt fine, but the, you don't have any of that stops that stoppage in the trigger. And so, um, you know, pulling halfway and stopping becomes something that you just have to get used to. And it's funky. And you so you'll oftentimes pull it a little too far and go, Oh shit, I was going to pull it halfway, but here I am throwing bombs or, you know, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. The game's not, doesn't require a huge level of precision with that stuff, but um, it's something that is noticeable. Um, of course, if you have a PlayStation 5 controller, you can just hook it up to a PC, wire it up, and uh, you'll get all of that DualSense stuff. It'll do the controller speaker stuff too, and in something like Returnal and and whatever else too, with that same thing, which I thought was kind of I don't know. I like always want to disable the controller speaker as quickly as I possibly can. But then if you disable the controller speaker in your windows settings, I think that disables a lot of the haptics as well, because the haptics are technically a speaker. There's a whole weird, I don't know. There's, there's, I ran into some funky stuff configuring it when Returnal came out, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's a, a few weird things you know like yeah the it's not the first game to do that half trigger pull thing but um you know the playstation 5 controller is uniquely suited to make that a much better experience than it has been in the past because like what like you know like in terms of pressure sensitive buttons you know metal gear solid 2 had a few weird cases of stuff like that as well where it's just like this is funky yeah the gamecube has this kind of built-in hard stop click thing which is silly but yeah ratchet and clank rift apart on pc um fantastic port of the game i can't really speak to lower spec systems i know people that is that's the thing people wanted to see so i know there's a bunch of videos everywhere of people going like we plugged a ps4 hard drive into a pc to see how shitty it would run and you're like guess what it runs shitty but i guess playable shitty but it's play you know um but uh yeah Wonderful video game. Um, I also spent a little bit of time playing Disney Illusion Island, which is out on Switch. Um, it's a side-scrolling platformer, one to four players. Um, I think the art style is is on par with a certain like I don't know if there's like a modern Mickey Mouse cartoon. I'm not I'm not actually sure because uh, I'm just not familiar with with whatever the cartoon is. But I think it's it's I think the art style is done in the style of an existing Mickey mouse property. Um, it's an interesting concept that they went after here because it is, um, 
it's a it's a search action game um or a you know a metroidvania if you must but uh but there's no as far as i can tell from what i've played of it so far there there is no combat in it which is fine i think it's actually kind of a cool concept to be like oh what if we you know kind of did this and and didn't really give you a so it's like you jumping over enemies to avoid damage and um but you're still like you're getting the you're getting additional movement abilities basically you're running around and like oh i can't cross this gap you're like oh you need a double jump that has a boost on the second jump so you meet a guy and he's like here's a jetpack mickey mouse and then you do that to you know jump across the, the the gap and then you eventually get a wall jump so that you can jump your way up walls and and get up higher and, and so on and so forth so they're filling out this tool set as you play um and it's got a really nice look to it the story i think is fine you know you're kind of like you it's 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 you Minnie mouse donald duck and goofy if you're you know playing four players or, or whatever but um and uh you know you're trying to help out some guy who lured you there under the guise of a picnic. And so you're, you're hopping around finding keys and opening doors and finding new abilities to get places. And it's got a map and it's got collectibles and, and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, I think, you know, it, it could be cool for a certain type of younger player. Um, you know, my, my daughter is not able to run and jump in games quite yet. She hasn't really gotten that part down. She can run, and she can jump, but she can't do both. So she can't like jump onto things. She can jump straight up over and over again. She's she's great at that, but uh, she's not quite ready for this game. Um, and I don't know. Like I I'm approaching it from the like when you make a Mickey Mouse game and you decide to invoke the word illusion in it. Um, you know, Castle of Illusion is an amazing video game back on the Genesis world of illusion. Like there's, you know, like there's a legacy to that that doesn't, that isn't here in the same way. Those games had combat. Those games, you're jumping on top of enemies, you're throwing apples, um, and and all of that like i i think that original castle of illusion is probably you know it's probably one of the top 20 genesis games top 10 maybe i don't know We'd, that'd be an interesting breakdown to to figure out but i think castle of illusion is is an awesome awesome video game and it's an all-timer this is good and fun and very interesting in its ideas in terms of like what if we kind of pushed combat to the side and made it so you're you know you're like at least here in the i haven't finished the game but so you know maybe you end up getting a fucking ak-47 at some point i don't know um but by and large the game is is about you avoiding these enemies and and making your way around the world and um i that's it's a choice right um and and i think it, it it kind of leads to a situation where you're like okay like none of this is, and you know, I'm an adult playing this game. This game is clearly aimed at a, a younger audience in a way that I think even Castle of Illusion was not. I think Castle of Illusion actually gets fucking tough in some spots. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I I really do like it. I I think it's it's a it's got a bunch of really neat ideas. It's got a really great look to it, and you know, exploring around the map and finding stuff is good. It just it it's a game that kind of feels like it maybe needs one more thing, uh, and that one more thing doesn't have to be combat. Um, but if I was bouncing around on guys' heads and knocking them out and stuff along the way, that would at least be something else to some other additional kind of skill-based thing to do. Um, and so instead it feels like this very light experience of just like, okay, yeah. Yes. Um, but a, a very good look and, and everything else. So, yeah, I, I do want to stick with it because it's, it's kind of piqued my curiosity just in terms of like, I, you know, is this game really going to stick to its guns in terms of not having guns? And, uh, and what do they do with it late game? what do they do to give that game a challenge? What do they do? You know, is there kind of a, you know, more boss encounter type thing where you've got to do a kind of boss encounter moment without really having combat in your game. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about how they pull all of that stuff off along the way. Uh, but it makes a really strong first impression. Um, you know, nice look, great characters. I assume it's just, yeah, the, the jumping probably gets more challenging. Like it's more challenging platforming and, and whatever else later on, but like early on, not a ton of challenge there. If you are at all a seasoned video game player, um, my daughter was not super interested in it. Um, again, she's, she's not, she's not at a point where she can play a 2d platformer. Well, because she just doesn't, she can move and she can jump, but she can't really do both simultaneously. So it's, it's really not, you know, um, she's back on her Mario Kart after, you know, after kind of not playing it, um, and being bored of it, she's gotten back into it, but now she is, she's grabbed the switch and she deliberately launches the GBA emulator and launches the old GBA Mario Kart and is playing that instead. I don't know why, but that's that is the one she's going to, and it's uh, it has way fewer assists and stuff, so she gets stuck and she you know she she runs into issues and and stuff here and there. Um, yesterday she came in, she said she wanted to play Pac Man. Um, she says she wanted to try Pac Man. She hadn't played Pac Man in a long time, so I was trying to get her to understand what a D pad was, and, and I was like, Pac Man, you kind of move in each direction. It's it's easy to grasp um but i put that on for her and, and she moved around a little bit and said i don't want to play pac-man i was like yeah i figured i figured maybe you maybe you wouldn't um i got um for my mister the fpga based open source retro gaming solution uh, I purchased, uh, it's a, it's a controller adapter, uh, that lets you hook up PlayStation controllers, uh, directly to it. And it works a little differently than, you know, that, that's not something, you know, you, there are USB converters for those sorts of things that have existed for decades. These are a little different because it's kind of, it, it treats it like the native port. Uh, and it's called, this is specifically called snacks. Uh, there's another earlier format called snack that is used for, if you want to hook up NES controllers or, you know, other different original controllers to it, you can you can do that. Uh, I wanted one for the PlayStation because I want to eventually hook dance mats and other stuff up to the Mister and play DDR or play you know whatever else. And so I uh, I hooked all that up last night and I was messing around with it and I uh, 
playing some ape escape and she came over and sat with me and watched some ape escape and she was like this what is going on you know she like this is boring you know she eventually didn't want to see any more ape escape so well why don't we play something for you and i was like you know she's really she understands the concept of driving games um so what do i what do i do and so the first thing i came up with was Rockman Battle and Chase, the Meg- the the Mario Kart ripoff Mega Man game that uh, that came out for the PlayStation. Uh, fired that up for her. She was like, "Oh, look at the! Can you can you choose different cars? I want to be the lady." So she played as as Roll. Um, that game sucks. That's a shitty shitty game. Um, she enjoyed playing it for a little bit, but it's a it's a shitty game. Um, and you have to win, you know, so it's like, I ended up winning two the first two tracks and we went on to the night, the third one. And and then she was like, this is, we're done with this. So I was like, okay, well, what else is there? That's like Mario Kart, right? Like, and I was like, maybe is it like a Coro Q game? Maybe we could, maybe I'm like looking through the, the directory going like, there's, there's gotta be Coro Q games in here. Um, and, uh, as I was scrolling, I found Chocobo racing. And so we ended up playing Chocobo Racing for the PlayStation 1 for like 20 minutes. Um, It's interesting when you go back and play some of these old games and they run at 60 frames a second. Not all of them do, but a lot of them do. And you're like, you know what? It's bullshit. The games don't, that more games don't run like this nowadays. Cause like weird fucking off brand Mario Kart ripoff was just like, yeah, fuck it. This is 60. And, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's some, there's some kind of fucking back in my day, whatever, whatever thing there, I'm sure. But it was just like, I was not expecting that game to run at 60 and be like, oh shit. Oh, crazy. Maybe we'll get into crash team racing next time. That's I think the, the obvious choice, but I was looking for something that would maybe be a little more, I don't know. F- friendly or something. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Chocobo Racing. Um, not a, not Also not a great game. <laughs> not a great game. She wanted to play as the white mage who floats around on a magic carpet. And so we did that for a little bit. Um, and, and that was, uh, that was neat. Um, but ultimately, Modern Mario Kart is probably the best thing for her because it has a level of assistance that will help her get through the races a little more often instead of getting stuck on it. Chocobo Racing was really bad about having shit on the sides of the track that you just get stuck on. Um, and you're like, okay, let me let me get you out of here. Let me back you up, turn you, get you back on the road. Okay, go. Um, I had to do that a lot with, um, with both Rockman Battle and Chase and Chocobo Racing. Just very frustrating level design there. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, interesting for sure to to watch her mess around with some of that stuff. Why don't we get into some of the news? The Nintendo Switch 2? Uh, there are video games chronicles. Andy Robinson is reporting, uh, 
The development kits for the next Nintendo Switch are in the hands of key partner studios and that a launch is planned for next year. Second half of 2024 is uh, what they're reporting here. He is citing multiple people with knowledge of Nintendo's next-gen console plans. So that sounds pretty well-sourced. Um, and there's not a ton of detail here, but uh, according to this Video Games Chronicle article, uh, the people that they did speak to indicated that the next-gen console would be able to be used in portable mode similar to the Nintendo Switch. I don't think that's a huge surprise. I think that, again, this form factor that they have hit upon of the dockable portable um, has worked really well for them. Uh, and seems like a no-brainer for them to do again. Um, so, you know, how, how that ends up, you know, is there anything different about it? I think becomes the, the larger question because that's when you think about Nintendo and the things that they've done with their platforms time and time again, usually there's something weird about it. Usually there's something else, whether it's the, the Wii remote or the Wii U tablet or, uh, you know, or, or whatever else. Um, nothing in this story is indicating that there's anything different about it, but that's again, you know, there's, there's things that we just don't know. Uh, there's things that this article is, is very, you know, like, Hey, yeah, there's a lot of specifics that are closely guarded. And remember that when, I've seen a lot of people kind of running away, like taking this story and running away with it and saying like, oh, there's no details about backwards compatibility in here. So they're, they're not going to be backwards compatible. You know, there, there was you know little little bits and pieces there and, and some of the other reporting that's happened around this. Um, but uh, I think right now, the most you can say about a lot of that stuff, short any actual reporting and actual sourcing or whatever else, I think the most you can say about a lot of these things as well, we don't know. Because remember the state we're at now. So this is, you know, look at this. The story on Video Game Chronicle, Video Games Chronicle is saying that key partner studios have dev kits. That probably means that Andy's sources are largely outside of Nintendo um, and are third parties that have it you know, or, or, or are getting one or, or have gone through like the initial phases of disclosure. And my understanding of how a lot of that kind of disclosure stuff works is that, you know, even before you're getting a dev kit, you're taking meetings with Nintendo. They're walking you through, here's our vision for this stuff, but they're telling you what they're ready to tell you. And backwards compatibility Okay, if, if you're giving dev kits to studios and saying, we're giving these to you so that you can have games ready for next Christmas, you don't need to tell them if it's backwards compatible or not. They don't need to know. So you don't tell them what they don't need to know. You give them dev kits and say, go make new games. Um, and so details like that are not part of that, are oftentimes, is my understanding, not part of that initial disclosure. Um not part of not, not really something you're going to initially see in these dev kits early on. Um, maybe once someone gets a dev kit and really starts pulling it apart, they'll find something like, Oh, there's a lot of stuff here for backwards compatibility. Maybe, but they're not going to pull it apart and they're not going to fucking leak that if they did. Cause that's, this is already something Nintendo would not be happy about digging into like pulling the dev kit apart, breaking all the seals on it and going like, what's in here. Uh, hmm, 
Mm -mm. They're not going to do that. So, um, I think with a lot of those details and, and people going like, oh, they're not going to, it's not going to be backwards. Like how dumb is Nintendo to do? Like, don't, you know, do not buy into the, we don't know. Do not buy into the weird YouTube rage machine on this stuff, on any stuff, really. Um, the one bit about backwards compatibility in this story, I will just read the full paragraph that he has written here. Other details such as backwards compatibility support for Switch games, physical and digital, remains unclear. Uh, Nintendo has said it wants to convert as many of Switch's 100 million plus user base as possible to its next system, although some third-party publishers are said to have expressed concern that legacy support for Switch games could negatively affect sales of next-gen titles. Um, and so that that's really the only the only bit about backwards compatibility in here is them saying we don't know, but also some third parties have said like, oh man, we're gonna you're gonna gut our ability to sell games if you are backwards compatible. To which I'll say, Nintendo only cares about third parties up to a certain point. And then past that point, they do not care. Um, and I don't think that it would stop them from making a backwards compatible system. I think they they want to ease this transition. Um, and to, the best way to ease that transition is to make the console backwards compatible. Um, I It's hard for me to envision a world where Nintendo puts this out and it's not backwards compatible. Um, but with Nintendo, sometimes you just never know. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But again, if they, if, if one of their goals is to, you know, maintain the Nintendo account system from one platform to the next, what a novel idea using the same account system on multiple platforms instead of inventing a whole new one. And then going like, well, we made it so you could tie the two accounts together. So you can tie your Wii U Nintendo account to your your Nintendo account to your Nintendo platform account to your Nintendo your your my my Wii U account to my your friend code to this and you know all of that garbage. Um, I think that, uh, and if Nintendo was worried, you know, uh, backwards compatibility prevents them from selling new co- like uh, like if they wanted to re-release Super Mario Odyssey or something right like what's the number of games that Nintendo would be like we've got to re-release it like that's they've done this a lot they've re- they've spent the last several years re-releasing Wii U games on Switch but that's because the numbers on Wii U were so bad that it made sense for them to do that because they could they could take an honest look at it and go like man we've sold so many switches the vast majority of these switch owners have never seen any of these fucking Wii U games. So let's put them out again. This time they can't say that this time they would be better served by instead creating a situation where when you play tears of the kingdom on a new unit, it runs better. You know, if there was a scenario where they could have improved performance, um, on new hardware, that would be a better story for them to tell that would be something that would make people want to move forward 
um, for a, a variety of reasons. And so I, I think that the the case for backwards compatibility is really strong. It's all, It always is. But I think it's really strong for them this time around in a way that it sometimes isn't um, for, for them in particular. Um, so I, I, I don't think that like this stuff about third parties expressing concern third parties should be expressing concern that like we're worried that Nintendo is going to ship Nintendo games on this thing and as a result no one's going to buy our games because they're just going to buy the the first party stuff you know the same way Nintendo third party support has been for the last 15 years <laughs> uh tw- 20 years so um I would take that with a, I, I would take that as it, as it, as it reads, I would say, you know, as he has written here, some third party publishers are said to have expressed concern that legacy support for switch games could negatively affect sales of next gen titles. Okay. Noted. I don't think that's going to necessarily be like a, I don't think Nintendo is going like, Oh, well, okay, we'll shut it off. Like it's not, not going to happen. Uh, two sources Video Games Chronicle spoke to suggested that the console would launch with an LCD screen, meaning not an OLED, because, uh, you know, at launch, they're going to try and keep costs down, which is a shame, because uh, that OLED switch looks very nice. Um, and that's what they say. In order to bring down costs, especially considering the increased storage needed for higher fidelity games, the current switch comes with the just 32 gigs of internal memory, while many current-gen PlayStation and Xbox games are over 100 gigabytes. Like its predecessor, the new Nintendo console will also accept physical games via a cartridge slot, the sources said. Um, So this kind of sounds like a Switch, but more powerful, which is kind of what the reports have been indicating here for a little while now. Um, and then what was it? The gosh, was it the, was it something in the, the Activision, the, the federal, the FTC lawsuit where they said they expected the switch predecessor to be as powerful as kind of like somewhere in that PlayStation four power band or something. Was that, was that where that came from? Or is that something else? I don't remember exactly where that came from, but like I remember at the time reading it and being like, that seems underwhelming because that feels like that's what the switch is targeting right now and not necessarily doing it. But, um, I don't know, man. Um, they talked to Dr. Serkan Toto, who's a consultant based out of Tokyo. You probably have seen his name before. um, And he says that a 2024 launch would make sense since it is projected to see double-digit declines in Switch hardware and software sales this year uh, and that it's been on the market for seven years. So I would say his quote here is, I would generally say that looking at Nintendo's financials, it seems clear that it's time for a new piece of hardware in 2024. Hardware is already projected to fall 16.5% year-on-year in the current fiscal, while the minus for software is expected to hit 15.9%. The only way to stop these losses from totally ballooning next fiscal year is a new device, and the second half of 2024 sounds like a realistic release window to me. Uh, there's also some quotes here from Christopher Dring, uh, who the build here is the head of games B2B for Read Pop. Uh, you'll see his name on is it gamedeveloper.com or no? Is he? Uh, 
I forget which one Reed Pop owns. <laughs> um, and he is saying that a 2024 release would fit with Nintendo's historical trend of launching hardware mid-cycle compared with PlayStation and Xbox. So yeah, that's yeah. Um. I mean, that's that's really kind of kind of it there in terms of like you know and then it becomes like a lot of speculation about what software they could have available or 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 basically the idea that if they're holding off until late 2024 for this holding off is maybe a weird way to think about it but um that there's a part of them that is like okay they want to make sure they have a, a lot of consoles ready at launch uh to maybe avoid some of the uh, inventory problems they ran into with the initial switch. Um, but also, you know, Hey, what are they doing with games? You know, it's felt for a while now that their software story has felt strange. Um, where it's like, you've got some announced games that we haven't heard about in a while, like a Metroid prime four, um, and whatever else. I think super Mario wonder, feels like it like in in this context you look at it and go like this feels like a really good end of life cycle mario game and then you've got your full-fledged follow-up to super mario odyssey ready if not at launch then near launch um and you know metroid prime 4 i i, I don't it's, it's hard to think about that as a factor one way or the other yes they that game will ship at some point maybe it'll be the last game out the door on the regular switch maybe it'll end up being an early switch to game either way i don't think that that franchise is enough of a big deal to be like something they're gonna hang their hat on for launch and be like here it is you metroid prime 4 you know or 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 whatever else you know that's that's not a big enough name for them and but also they just put out another zelda so it's not like that team well shit man you know hey probably not right but you know you look at tears of the kingdom as being kind of an add-on or or, you know like that i don't mean that in a negative way i mean that it is building off of a lot of what breath of the wild did from a technology perspective and and whatever else, it's not a 100% brand new video game, right? Um, Is there some skunk works team that was, has been deep in pre-production on the real Zelda sequel this whole time? You know, I, I doubt it. I, I think it would be too soon. Like if, if they launch next Christmas, you know, if we're a year out from, Hey, there's another new Zelda game. I think that would be too many. <laughs> so, so probably not a Zelda at launch, which is fine. Um, that'll give them time to do something crazier down the line. But probably a full fledged Mario. It's been a. It's been long enough since they have approached the Mario franchise with a full on brand new game. Um, Wonder looks awesome. I'm super excited for it. I don't. I don't mean to like cast that aside. But as a 2D game, it kind of, you know, it's not necessarily the the next big thing in the Mario franchise. You know, they'll they'll have, I, I would assume that they would have some kind of big proper 3D Mario game ready for launch again. Uh, whether that's an Odyssey 2 or, a, you know, they just come up with a new word. Who knows? I wonder if they will capitalize on some of the stuff they did in that Bowser DLC 
where it had this more kind of direct open world vibe to it. Um, because Bowser's Fury is really good, but it's also really interesting just from a design, like from a design for a Mario game. It's a really interesting little thing. Um, and you, you know, you, you play it and you go like, this feels like them getting their feet wet for something. This feels like something where they had some ideas that they wanted to try out before they did it for real somewhere else. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the next Mario game capitalizes on all of that stuff. Cause maybe they came away from Bowser's fury going like, this is really cool for a small kind of constrained thing, but we don't think it would work for, you know, maybe they just look at it and go like, all right, no. Um, or maybe they look at it and go like, yep. All right. That's what we want the next Mario game to be. But blown out to nine times that size or, or whatever. Um, which could be really interesting as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then what else, you know, I'm trying to, th- you know, cause uh, like Splatoon three is still, I mean, this, this would pave the way, I, I guess maybe they launched with Mario Kart. You know, there, there had been talk a little while ago about like, oh, the Mario Kart team is working on something and they're thinking about what's next or, or whatever else. Like I, so there, there's still one more. And I hate that. I know this now, this is the thing of like my daughter being a Mario Kart fan. Now it's dark that I, that I know that there is still one more wave of courses coming to Mario Kart eight deluxe, and then they'll be done with it. And so that is happening by the end of this calendar year. And so that would give them a full year from the end of new content for that Mario Kart to then here's Mario Kart 9. And when you look at the sales of Mario Kart 8 and how fucking bonkers it is, I could very easily see them looking at that scenario and being like, we should launch with a fucking Mario Kart game. Let's move some fucking hardware. We're already going to move some hardware, but let's fucking go. Like, I could very easily see them prioritizing Mario Kart in a way that, um, in a way that they haven't really, I guess I would say since what, man, what was the, (sighs) has there ever been a Nintendo launch that has been supported with a new Mario Kart game at launch was GBA a launch game N 64 was not a launch game. It was, it was close, but it was not a launch game. Um, and, and there, that was still when things came out, um, staggered. So again, I remember the, when we were waiting for the import copy of Mario Kart 64 to show up and how the world's biggest Mario Kart fan I've ever, I've ever known his heart was broken that day as we played it. And he said, this game is not that fun, y'all. He was so crushed. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I would almost, if I was placing bets, if I was a betting man, I could very much see them for business reasons saying, fuck yeah, Mario Kart at launch. Um, because it will have been a year or so since they ended support for the previous one. I think that it, it makes a lot of sense for them to, and between that and the rumors that they were thinking about, you know, new Mario Kart a while ago, 
if we assume that those rumors came from a, a sound place um, and that they have been thinking about what's next for Mario Kart already, then that timing all kinds of lines up in a weird way. Um, but what else? You know, like, does the system have a hardware gimmick? We were talking about this a while ago, and I just kind of was spitballing and came up with the idea of what if there was a GPU or some kind of power in the dock itself, and they used that to play local multiplayer games where, you know, the the thing on the television was different than the thing on your Switch. Um... And that that might be a fun way for them to do local multiplayer games in a way that they, you know, in a way that kind of merges a lot of their ideas over the years. That's that's not me. Again, that's not coming from anywhere. I'm not. This is not me. Like slyly going like, I heard it. You know, I think that would be cool. That was something when I first started hearing about the Switch initially. Um, was my big question for for the people I was hearing because yeah, I was in, in the same boat where I was talking to someone at a third party who had gone through disclosure and, and whatever else. And, and they were like, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like a handheld thing. And like, and that was already kind of well-known at that point. I think the handheld bit in not publicly, but it was like well-known in, in a lot of circles that like, that's what they were doing. But the, the question became like, is there power in the dock? Yes or no. Um, and I think that, putting power in the dock or, or even if they can do it some other way with streaming tech or whatever the fuck else, like some way for them to say, Hey, the TV can act as a hub for your multiplayer gaming experiences in the same way that hooking a GBA up to the GameCube did. Those were cool, weird scenarios. Right. And I think that that's the type of cool, weird scenario that I think Nintendo can capitalize on in, let's say, four to six games over the course of a generation and then never think about it again. And I think it would be really good for that four to six games. And then like the two third party games that support it, Ubisoft comes along and goes, I don't know, we made a zombie U minigame collection and and it takes advantage of this. And then, you know, Namco comes along and says, here's Pac-Man versus two. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pac-Man versus is a good one. And then, you know, Hey, final fantasy. Now you can carry the bucket yet again. Um, and whatever else. And, and you could end up in situations where like, you know, think about like an animal crossing game where everyone is on their own screen in their own town, same as it is now. But what if you had a central hub screen that was like, I don't know, like what if the town is more active and you're seeing like, hey, the here's what everyone else is doing in the fishing tournament or, you know, like here's other views of what's going on around town or some other, maybe that's not vital enough, but like, I don't think it has to be vital. I think you have a, a few experiences that are like crazy vital and then some stuff that you're like, ah, this is nice, but I don't know in a world where they want to keep costs down having substantial power in the dock might be hard. So maybe the, if the console is powerful enough, it streams to the dock. It streams a, an alternate view to the dock. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a great, <laughs> a great technological solution as well. But I, I think that that scenario of, you know, TV as a central hub, 
it, it enables a lot of stuff, like a lot of weird mini game. You know, like you could do a fucking interesting things with a Mario with a Mario Party at that point if you were doing something like that. Um, a lot of card game concepts and football type of concepts where you're calling plays or playing your cards or whatever else. I think that that's enabled there. Um. Yeah, you know, could you build a Nintendo Land sequel around this multi-screen concept or something? Sure you could. Of course you could. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. There's... I think that would be neat if they did that. I don't, I don't, I don't think they'll do that. But, uh, I, but I wonder what they will do. If they will do something. Or if this is going to be them finally just sitting back and saying like, Yeah, you know what? This switch pretty good. Uh, it's getting a little old though. So we made a better one and that's it. <laughs> you know, is this the generation for Nintendo to just say, nah, man, it's another one of those, but it goes harder and is harder for you to play on the fucking PC. You scumbags. Like that's gotta be something that they're thinking about a lot too. It's just like, fuck man. So fucking sick of this. So sick of seeing these assholes. We've got to lock this shit down. Um, We'll see. I don't know. Nintendo. I guess there has been a little bit of change over at Nintendo since the. Since the switch happened. Right. A little bit. Some of those concepts. But, but we'll see. I yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, does it still have removable Joy Cons, or are they like fuck that man? Or are they even crazier? You know, do they make removable controllers that have like even weirder features on them? They could. Do they still get in a? Do they still allow for sideways Joy Cons, or are they just like oh that's do people do that? Are, are, is that dumb? Do people do that? Or do they just go like, nah, you know what? We think that people should buy a second switch and we know you will because we have the, you know, like you look at the sales of the last switch. Do they just go like, yeah, our use case scenarios. We think you should just buy another one uh, and, and, and do it that way. And if it's docked to a TV, then bring your pro controller and and hey we'll we'll let you use your pro controller from the old switch if you want um and a lot of people in chat right now saying like maybe they'll fix the joy-con drift no they're gonna make it twice as bad that's the nintendo promise it's gonna be fucking way worse double the drift uh for new mario kart double drift um We'll see. I, I think that they're, you know, they're in a really interesting position, you know, because the Switch has been, you know, like they've, they've successfully carved out their own and, and they've, they, this was how the Wii was also, but the Wii U kind of, I think, shook everyone's confidence in that stuff. But now we have a Nintendo that has been in a relatively dominant position, even if, if you know, it's a weird, we don't really think of it, the Switch as competing with the existing xbox and playstation consoles it's kind of its own thing but they're in a spot where they don't have to innovate 
if they want to take a, a cycle off and just be like, this one's more powerful, fucking deal with it. They could. I don't think that, I don't think that people would reject that is my point. Um, but I don't know. N- Nintendo just seems like they always want to fucking do. There's a, you know, Sakurai still putting out videos on YouTube and there was a little bit um, in one of his more, I think, if not the most recent, then one of the more recent videos where he just kind of talked a little bit about like Smash Brothers and the idea of another one. And him, you know, I think a lot of what he was saying is like, I can't really, you know, like, cause he, you know, he's, he's kind of semi-retired is how it's kind of built. And, you know, you, everyone's heard the stories about how he fucking was on an IV so he could get to work and finish Smash Brothers and do all, you know, all that crazy shit. Um, but then also there was some, some talk in there about like another Smash Brothers game. And he was like, yeah, I don't. I don't know how they make one of those without me at this point. And it didn't seem like that was coming from some pompous, like how dare, you know, is more just like he's a motherfucker who knows how to make those games and there's no one else there that could take the reins right now. There's no, there's no one ready to accept the torch. If it is passed is, is, is more of the, the vibe of that of just like, yeah, I get, I have to kind of be the one to make it because I, you know, no one else has been trained to make one. And, uh, Oh, and so, you know, presumably we see another smash brothers on the next Nintendo platform. Right. I mean, I don't want to make sit here and make bold claims, but I think maybe they'll make another smash brothers one of these days. Um, and then I got to thinking, like, what do you do there? What do you do with another Smash Brothers? Like, the last one has everybody in it. You know? It's, I mean, you could always make another one and do more moves. You know, there's there's more characters you could tap into, of course. You could put proper netcode in it for once. That'd be nice. But man, that just seems like one of those real, and and again, I don't fucking, you know, Hey, if I was, if I had the answer to this question, I maybe I would be the one showing up and being like, hook the IV up to me, man. I'm ready to fucking go. Um, but yeah, you know, they called it ultimate. There's a whole, there's just a vibe around that game of just like, we're making the biggest one we can. You can't make a bigger one after this. This is it. This is every, everybody is here. Everybody is here. Um, so I, you know, you got to reboot it, right? If everybody was there, then if you're going to make another one, you have to start from the idea of nobody is here. Now what? And I think you very quickly get back to like, well, Mario needs we got to put Mario in this, right? And then they go, okay, yes. Now, what does Mario do? And they're like, he throws a fireball. I go, okay. And you probably stumble your way back into Mario's exact move set, <laughs> like all over again. 
like holistically um because it, it, you know it makes sense but like i you know i don't know yeah what do you do do you reboot that whole thing from a nar- like a narrative perspective and let that give you the leeway to make dramatic changes to what that game is like do you make dramatic changes to what that game is would, would that just piss people off I, you know like i look at it and go like man what if they <laughs> if you'll fucking go with me what if they made a real fighting game that'd be cool that'd be pointless because the people that play smash don't want a real fighting game <laughs> they want smash um but <sighs> yeah i don't know I don't know what you do with that at this point. Because I think if you make dramatic, you know, some people are saying like, oh, Power Stone or do this or do that. Or, you know, like, I think if you, if you're changing camera perspectives and doing all of this, like, that's a different game. You could make that game. You could make a Nintendo character Power Stone game. There's no reason not to, but you wouldn't call that a Smash Brothers game. Um, because people would be fucking pissed. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what you do with, with that thing at this point. Because it's not like, I mean, well, you know, what do you do? Do you go get, you know, you go get another fresh batch of guest characters and have a good time with that. And people love that stuff. There's a lot. Like how many more Fire Emblem characters have they not put in Smash? Because there's probably like another 20 or so of those they could put in. Right? So you could do that. Um yeah, I don't know. I, 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 my, what I was, what, I would, I would go fucking hog wild, stupid with the guest characters and say, all right, here's, um, yeah, we get the Master Chief and we got fucking Ratchet, Aloy. Like, I, I would go get other hardware manufacturers, first party guys for fun. Um, Because I, I think that would be like another weird, uh, uh, you know, kind of new frontier for them to explore that would be exciting and weird for people. But um, but I don't know. I don't know what you. I don't know what to do with that. But yeah, you know, I think the rest of it is, is a little bit. You know, I, again, I talking through this story with you here t- today, this morning, I am becoming increasingly convinced in my own mind that they launch with a new Mario Kart game. That, that, that is solidifying in my head is like, that just seems like, that seems like sound business right there. Goddamn. Um, so we'll see. And we're due for a Mario game. Um, in other non-Nintendo news, Sony has rolled out beta firmware for the PlayStation 5. Um, As of yesterday, I got my email, and uh, they have added some accessibility features, like you can basically have two controllers assigned to one input, so if you're, you know, like if you're letting a kid play, or, you know, like someone needs some additional help, you can hold the other controller over here and, and help them play. Um, which is cool. The, 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 they have Dolby Atmos support, uh, some changes to how the, some of the parties and group stuff work, which I use that stuff so infrequently, meaning I'd never, I don't think I've been in a party 
on the PlayStation 5. Since, like, launch week or something. I don't think I, I just, yeah. Um, and I, same with Xbox. I, that's, I, don't, I don't think I have been in an Xbox group. Like, a whatever group chat or group, you know, party. Party. It's a party. I, don't, I have not been in an Xbox party since the Xbox Series X came out. Um, it's just a mixture of like I play games on PC and w- even in when I'm playing console games you know we are getting together on Discord to do stuff Xbox I know they both to an extent have some Discord functionality built in but um, the Xbox stuff is more direct which is funny considering didn't uh, Sony invest in Discord and their Discord integration is worse um. Anyway, new stuff for tournaments. You can react to messages with emojis now. Finally, god damn. Um. Support for larger SSDs. You know how that PlayStation Five has got a slot in there waiting for you to add an additional SSD. Uh. Previously, those were limited at four terabytes. Now, if you happen to have an eight terabyte SSD, you can put it in your PlayStation 5. Eight terabyte SSDs, by the way, I think are like a grand. So, I think that's a lot. (laughs) Um, I think that's a lot of money. Also, I don't think there are enough PlayStation 5 games that you need to have installed uh, as at an, um, I, I, so I, I installed this firmware yesterday and then was spending some time fucking around in the, the PlayStation five menus. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to uninstall a lot of games. And so I went through and I uninstalled like 20 games. I was like, Oh, I got, I got room for days. I have a one terabyte SSD in there. And then, you know, of course the, the built-in terabyte. And then I have an external SSD that PlayStation 4 games are installed too. So I have this exact same setup on the Xbox as well. Um, I have their little card thing you plug in the back, and then I also have a, an external drive plugged in. Um, yes, you can you can adjust the volume and maybe even turn off the beep sound that the PlayStation makes when you turn it on and off, which is kind of cool. Um, I think the coolest feature here, it is built as an accessibility feature. But uh, I turned it on and I like it just, you know, for myself. You can enable haptics on the menu. And so as you are moving around the menu, the controller will vibrate a little bit as you go. And if you push in a direction that you can't go in, it vibrates a little harder. Like, nope, nope, can't go that way. Um. It's a good, I, I like little touches like that on menus. And I think, you know, phone, like the kind of like the vibration press that phones do. I think that's cool too. So I, I enabled that. And I thought it was pretty neat. Um, probably not something, you know, if you're, if you, if you are one of those people that is already complaining about battery life on PlayStation five controllers, maybe haptics on the menu are not a thing you need, but I think it's neat. And so I turned it on and I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, so that firmware is out there. This is they are billing it as the, like their summer beta. Um, and uh, I'm going to scroll to the bottom of this and see if they're still taking signups. It doesn't look like it. 
or at least if they are, it's not linked to on this page. Um, but they send out invites, and, and when they send out their invites, uh, the codes they send out are good for four uses. Um, so find somebody that has one and hit them up for it, I guess. Maybe they haven't given them out already. Um, the other big PlayStation thing... This is the most bootsy ass looking website. I, I don't, you know, not to talk shit. Cause I don't even have a website, but it is a, this is a Tom Henderson, uh, penned story. And, uh, he has become, uh, somewhat known in, as a, you know, as a leaker insider, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so this story appeared on, keytogaming.com which there's like when you scroll down they have a, a, a link at the bottom that says review ethics and I'm like oh yes what is this website's review ethics and you get down to the bottom and click on it and it's just lorem ipsum it's not it's like there's nothing here um, privacy policy same deal contact page same deal like this looks like a fake fucking website um, and so initially I was like, I, what the fuck is this? Um, but this is apparently a Tom Henderson written story. Eurogamer has also kind of chimed in on it. Um, as well, which kind of gives it an additional air of like credibility that this website is what it says it is. Um, But, uh, and, and now it is broken. Uh, the, now this, okay. Now their homepage is completely broken. Anyway, they have a story, um, about the PlayStation five pro PlayStation five pro project Trinity is, uh, what they are referring to it as. Um, it is a short story i uh, let's see um according to sources who asked to remain anonymous playstation 5 pro was in development as codenamed trinity um it's been in development since early 2022 with sources citing that although the rumors of a canceled ps5 pro project are always fun to read trinity has been the only project in the works for the pro model Dates are tentative, but demo events for the PS5 Pro are apparently already ongoing with the majority of studios receiving dev kits by late November 2023. Um, remember that they, yes, they at one point they used the code names Neo and Morpheus, so Trinity is not uh, completely out of the ordinary for that, but boy, they're running out of them. What are you going to, you know, all right. Um, so not a lot of specs here, but, uh, the story does claim that the performance targets are improved and consistent frames per second at 4k, a new performance mode for 8k resolution and accelerated ray tracing. Um, 
I, I, uh, th this is, I, 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 the, the, a lot of the, the PlayStation 5 Pro talk has been very cons concerning, I guess I would say, um, for me, because I, it's hard for me, it, it just doesn't, this generation feels like it is so weird in terms of it getting off the ground and going that the idea of an updated PS five feels very weird. Um, I will say that like, it, it's very easy to kind of scoff at the idea of an eight, them mentioning an eight K mode here, but it does exist. <laughs> um, and that could potentially be a marketing point. The same way when the PlayStation 4 Pro came out, they really, really, really focused on 4K. Now, the PS4 Pro was not really ready for actual true 4K. Fuck, man, I would say the goddamned PlayStation 5 is not ready for 4K, considering the trade-offs that we have to deal with in terms of frame rate to, to get to those resolutions. Um... So yeah, do they roll out the checkerboard uprendering techniques that they used on the PS4 Pro, but then now it's for 8K? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, this story does not have a ton of technical detail. Um, Trinity appears to be PlayStation's last bits of major hardware for this generation. And after reporting on almost everything from the DualSense Edge controller to Project Q to the new wireless earbuds... The next time you hear on a PlayStation hardware report from me will likely be on the PlayStation 6, which is currently targeting a 2028 release date. Um, like I said, I think if, if Eurogamer had not taken this story and talked about it, I probably would have passed on this because it has this mix of being on this random fucking website that looks broken uh, without a byline on it directly which is also weird. Um, and then just, just a really shady looking thing. And then part of this story, you know, it feels very mechanically written. I don't know, but, um, but Eurogamer has, has taken that, uh, and, um, spent some time talking about it. Uh, you know, they're kind of breaking down the, the little bits in this, and saying like the concept of accelerated ray tracing may simply be achieved by clock speed boosts, or it may be the case that current or future AMD tech could be brought into play. It's also conceivable that Mark Cerny and his team have their own custom ray tracing designs An 8k performance mode again, seems to suggest custom hardware, but quite why 8k receives such a focus when a 4k performance mode makes, makes more sense is a touch baffling. At this point, the concept of the pro console seems viable, but I suspect like the PS4 pro before it, it's going to require an official reveal from Sony and some compelling demos to make the concept seem worthwhile. Uh, that's from uh, Richard Ledbetter over at Digital Foundry. Um, and yeah, that that's his, his point is well taken here. He says, in fairness, if there's a sense of being underwhelmed here, we had the exact same reaction to the first PS4 Pro leaks, which is true. 
because I think when the first specs for the PS4 Pro, or even just conceptually the idea of a half-step console uh, PS4 Pro was being floated, it was this idea of, because again, it, it came attached to this notion of 4K. And 4K became the 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 driving point for PS4 Pro in a lot of the leaks and a lot of everything else. A lot of it was just like, here's the weird rendering technique we came up with that's going to let us hit 4K without having to really hit 4K. And here's how we're going to do this. And, and so it was a lot of smoke and mirrors around um, how we're going to make 4K seem like a real thing. And I feel like in practice, when you look at the PlayStation 4 Pro, um, the 4K stuff was the least interesting thing about it. You know, just having like a little bit more power on tap helped. Certainly, it helped extend the PlayStation 4 hardware cycle, I think, by having a more viable console longer. And I think, But I also think that by the end of the generation, you hit a real downside where anyone that didn't buy a Pro, like some of those late model PS4 games, and I'm sure this is still the case, right? Because some of these PS5 games are coming to still, you know, still came out on PlayStation 4. Running some of those games on a base PS4 fucking sucked dude <laughs> like it like they it got rough you know like clearly developers were targeting the ps4 pro by the end of that cycle and then you know i think the the sales story probably painted a picture that allowed them to do that where they're like oh we, well, we've sold enough ps4 pros that we can do this because the majority of people buying games are running a pro blah 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 but yeah exactly cyberpunk got pulled off the fucking store for how bad it was Remember that thing running on a base PS4 or a base Xbox One back at launch? Oh my god. Woo! Um really wild. Really wild. So I don't know. The, the PS4 Pro to me didn't, you know, it, it made more sense on the Xbox side simply because I think the Xbox One was underpowered and they were getting their ass kicked for a variety of reasons. At least when the Xbox One X came out, they could say, we've got a good, solid piece of hardware out there now. Something they could feel good about. Um, because everything they had up to that point was not that. Oof, it was definitely not that. But, <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the, 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 and, and, uh, Mr. Ledbetter is right. This is exactly how I felt when the PS4 Pro rumors started up. Was this just arms folded like, fuck, man, really? No, man, fucking don't do this. Don't do this. And I think that the PS4 Pro worked out better than I would have thought it did at that point. And so at this point, oh, everything's so different this time around, man. This feels bad. This feels bad to me. Uh, and I got another email into the podcast this week from someone saying like, oh, it doesn't feel like the generation's even started yet. And I don't know how widespread that feeling is. Um, but something about the nature of like, hey, we're going to come out with more powerful hardware next year. Feels gross. When I think about the place where the PlayStation five and the Xbox uh, series X are at in terms of, you know, availability, like they're both available a lot more widely now than they were. Right. Um, 
but in terms of games coming out and, and whatever else, and maybe just things have just been disrupted due to everything that happened during the pandemic and, and it's just never going to feel right again. Um, or it'll feel right next time. Like when maybe in 2028, when the PlayStation six comes out, maybe it will feel right then. And maybe this whole generation is just weird and cursed because of the weird stumbly start it had around the pandemic. And so maybe it's just never going to feel right. Um, but I, that to me, it just, I guess I would say I, I don't do players. And then this is not a question that I feel like I can answer because I'm playing a lot of games on PC these days. And my PC is more powerful than both of those consoles. So it's, it's kind of a weird, so I'm, I'm trying to take myself out of it a little bit if I can. Um, do you think PS5 owners feel like they've gotten their money worth out of the PlayStation 5? Like if Sony rolls up next year, they're going to get through holiday not mentioning this thing if they can help it, right? Uh, if, if we assume it's coming out next year, next Christmas. Yeah, everyone in chat is saying absolutely not, not at all, hell no. Um, I think for Sony to get out there and, and try to get people to re-up for who knows how much money they charge for a PS5 Pro. Um, I think them getting out there and saying, now buy the new, more powerful one. And I look at the number of games they have shipped themselves and third parties and just like all the delays and everything that's happened. And some of those games have been underwhelming and whatever else. Like it just... It feels fucking bad. This feels like it is, and you know, hey, this industry is really good at pushing the limits of what its most ardent fans will accept, right? Like, that's what it's all about. Like, hey, will they accept buying a battle pass for a $60 game? We think they will. Yeah, it turns out they super will. Turns out that's not a problem. We were stupid to even worry about it. Will they accept... If we're charged $10 for PS4 to PS5 upgrades, they're going to be mad about it. So we got to slow play it. We'll give them a good window where they're free and then come out and say, now it's not free anymore. Okay. All right. Okay. We can, we can do that. Um, and this has been, you know, oh yeah, all, yes, exactly. All the way back to getting people to pay to play online, which is, which was crazy back then. It is crazier by the day. Um, I think for PlayStation to get out there and say, we've got an all new, more powerful console for you. When it doesn't feel like the PlayStation five has quite yet gotten off the ground. Is, uh, that will be the biggest test yet for what will this fan base accept? What will these aficionados, these game fans, these, these die, what will these diehard game fans accept? Um, yeah, PlayStation VR is a great, you know, I, PlayStation VR felt like a fire and forget kind of thing. Um, in terms of, of a marketing, I don't know. I, I still, I need to play cosmic smash. I guess I forgot that that even happened. Um, because they're so bad at marketing PlayStation VR products. Um, 
so maybe they, you know, and I look at it and go like, maybe they just have to roll on like everything's normal now and try to put the COVID stuff, the pandemic stuff, like all of that behind them and just go like, Hey man, what would we do if none of that ever happened? We would launch a pro console. Okay, let's do it. Maybe it'll be fucking weird, but like, but this generation is already cursed with that. The early part of this generation is already fucked and strange. So maybe we just need to fucking trudge forward and just like, Hey, we'll wipe the slate when the PlayStation six comes out and, and you know, hopefully everything will be back to normal, but this generation is going to feel a little wonky no matter what. And so maybe that's a feeling that is just going to persist and never quite be fixed. Um, and they're just going to move forward and just make it happen. I just, uh, I don't know. Are they going to upgrade it in a way that makes it on par with a 40 series card? Probably not because they still have to hit certain thermals, this and price point that and whatever else. Right. So I don't, you know, (laughs) like, I don't think that feels good. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Like that's the thing we can, we can, we can logic our way into saying, Hey, um, here's why they would do this or here, here's when they would do this or, or whatever and go like, oh, that makes logical sense, but none of it feels good. None of it feels right, I guess is the point. Um, you know what they need to do? This, I remember, remember when before the PlayStation 5 came out and there was all this high-minded talk about what the PlayStation 5 was going to be and uh, there was a uh, uh, some discussion. It sounded like it was happening internally that like the PlayStation Five could be a console that represented the full legacy of PlayStation, and that they were going to take time to honor that full legacy, and that a lot of people were taking that to mean, "Holy shit, this thing is going to run PS3 games." Um, and it didn't. And, it, you know, you can stream them. It's not the same. It'd be kind of cool. Ah, you know, like, it would be kind of cool if you, if, if they put out a PS5 Pro and they said, any PlayStation disc you put in this will work. That'd be cool. <laughs> They're not going to do that, but, uh. that was some of I remember some of the reporting at the time was like that that was something that they were at least considering or that there was some thought around the legacy of the PlayStation and what that would mean was you know weird but like coming together to honor all of that or or whatever else it would be fascinating um highly unlikely highly unlikely but it'd be neat uh, instead, it's more likely that they'll release one without a disc uh, slot at all. That seems to be still happening. That's, you know, that's, I think a lot of people have gotten confused um, because you have, there's a little bit of discussion as well around the idea of a, of a slim PlayStation 5, but it sounds like what that, you know, the, the reporting again, some of that coming from a, a Tom Henderson amongst others, um, was this notion of them kind of smoothing out the PlayStation five line. And instead of making two of them, just making one 
which would line up with like, hey, we're going to start making a PS5 Pro, so we need to simplify the existing PlayStation 5 process. And so let's make all of them with no disc slots. And instead, you know, we will sell a bundle that will come with a disc drive that you plug into the back and clamp on or something, some insane setup like that, which works because you're not reading anything off those discs anyway. All they're doing is installing to the hard drive. You don't need to play games off the disc. Um, so they could get away with doing that. Uh, and, and, and so, and that helps them simplify the process where they're only making one type of PlayStation five instead of two, obviously a lot of shared parts between them. There was someone out there that had cracked open a bunch of PS fives and I guess it found a way to flash some piece of firmware, some, some chip inside of it to basically convince a, PlayStation 5 that it was a PlayStation 5 without a drive instead of with a drive because the drive had broken and that was preventing it from booting up or something. So there's like people doing all kinds of fucking crazy shit with the innards of PS5s these days. Um, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, PlayStation 5 Pro doesn't feel good. That's it. Uh, You know, like, like it may make logical sense. They may have like some numbers on their side that will line up and go like, well, actually... You know, we can hit these performance targets and we can sell it for the same price. You know, what? maybe who knows? But there's does not feel good coming out of the mouth. Doesn't feel doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. It does not feel like we're at a place in this generation. But again, uh, this, the factors that are contributing to that are so fucking weird and all over the place that I just don't know that it will ever it'll ever feel right this time around because of how strange this generation has been. I don't know. That probably means it's going to happen. And then we'll have to wonder if Xbox will make something else. They have said that they are not. <laughs> um, you know, they, they have gotten out there and, and said, no, we are not working on a, a, a half step upgrade type of console. Um, and that the console we have now is already so powerful that it is our step, which is like, it's fun to say, but like, uh, Xbox series X is pretty much on par with a PlayStation five. So if the PlayStation five is a more powerful device, then what? It might not make sense for Microsoft to make a more powerful console. Like from a numbers perspective, it might just not make sense for them to do it from it might just cost them too much they might not just not want to spend that money if they're really and and you know coming off all these all the paperwork and all these lawsuits about how microsoft the, the xbox is so in last place and how it's oh geez it's so brr, brr. um yeah i don't know maybe the xbox fan base wouldn't would not show up for an upgraded xbox if if that's their mentality, like may, maybe they, you know, it's a fight that they're losing and they seem willing to lose on that front, I guess. If third parties push for it, then they would do it. But I, I don't know. It depends. Like if this PlayStation 5 Pro comes out and it is like dramatically more powerful in a way that you see a more interesting gap between the devices, 
then maybe they are forced to move or maybe they say, yeah, maybe at that point they say, you should get a PC. Hey, you should get a PC. That's not something they can tell to third parties, though. Though the vast majority of the third-party software on Xbox is on PC, right? I'm trying to think of, like, Xbox games that are not on PC. Probably a... uh, Who knows? It's a bizarre... It's a bizarre business. And it's just getting weirder. Uh, Speaking of Xbox, Final Fantasy XIV is coming to the Xbox. Phil Spencer uh, hopped up on stage... He rushed the stage at the Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest in Vegas. Um, and the game will be out in spring. Uh, there will be an open beta ahead of that. Uh, ahead of that official launch. Um, and yeah. That's going to finally happen. I... Uh, mm, I'm going to play Final Fantasy fourteen one of these days, so you know there's that I'm, I'm, I did play a little little bit of it um but um but yeah, I don't know uh now is not the time that's not that's not me saying I'm definitely gonna play it on Xbox because I don't think I don't want to play an MMO on consoles. It's cool that you can, but uh I don't necessarily want to do that. It's a cool little story uh, that uh, Kotaku picked up on here. Um, Remnant 2 came out a little while ago. Seems like it is in being very well received. They just said that they have broken a million copies. Um, sold. And uh, so on and so forth. There is a hidden class in the game that it seems like they put in there for data miners to find. Not necessarily something that you would find in game, but they put a class in there that, you know, the, the process of unlocking it is something that is only, and this process seems ridiculous here. Um, and they kind of alluded to this, this, this secret being in there. Um, and the, uh, sorry here, the, one of the designers of the game, uh, Ben Kirton, um, said, we knew we couldn't stop data mining, so we leaned into it and created an entire archetype, which is basically a class, uh, that could be shared with the community once revealed by those with the ability to see between worlds. Okay. Um, and so people data mined out a hit, a hidden class, which is, I think, a really cool idea. Um, and now that information is out there, and so they have... Uh, they have here's the list and as someone who has not played much remnant two, um this all seems like a lot of gibberish but here's here's what you need to do level up the invader archetype to five with the wormhole skill activated level the explorer archetype to 10 with the fortune hunter skill activated Equip Leto's Amulet. Equip Amber Moonstone Ring. Equip Anastasia's Inspiration Ring. Equip Xanya's Malice Ring. Equip the Black Cat Band Ring. Wear the Realm Walker Armor. Equip Ford's Scatter Gun Primary. Equip the Cube Gun Secondary. Equip the Labyrinth Staff Melee Weapon. Equip the Void Heart Relic. Once you've done all that, 
You head to the corrupted door found in the labyrinth, and there you'll discover a strange box in the back rooms. And once you open that strange box, it will unlock the Archon class. That's cool. That's one of, you know, you kind of, it's fun to have stuff that just like spreads through a community like that. And I will see, I would assume that that's something that maybe they just, you know, they give people their early time with it here for a handful of months. And then they're like, Hey, we patched it. And now that thing's just there, you know? Um, or you don't need to wear all that shit. Just go find the box and open it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. This is a lot of rings. Do you have to equip them all at once? I, I don't know, but, um, also leveling one character to five or one archetype to five and another to 10. And then having all of this gear seems like it's okay. So yeah, Bryn in the chat says some of this is stuff you get for beating the game. So, okay. So you'll stop to put in a lot of time. This isn't something where you're just like, okay, let's fire up the game and do it. Uh, you'll, you'll have to get all the, all that gear first. So, um, that's cool. I think that's really neat. I don't know. Um, and that's, uh, you know, unless something else happened over the last couple of hours, that's it for the news. Yeah, that looks like that's it for the news. Um, it's, it's weird to have multiple stories about upcoming hardware Um, I don't feel like I'm ready to, I'm ready to have all those conversations again, you know? Um, but again, I think a lot of that is because the, of, of just the weird, the weird run these existing consoles have had so far is just, it's felt really strange to me this time around. Um, but here we go, you know, and all, it only picks up from here. Um, why do we get into some emails here? Podcast at guard.bike is the email address. Send in your emails to me and I will, and I will look at them. That's what I'll do. Um, like Nikki from Grand Haven, Michigan, who writes in and says, I remember you talking about going back and forth on owning arcade cabinets over the years. And I was curious how much of a diehard you are for arcades to always be rocking a CRT display instead of a flat panel. Moreover, when playing 8 and 16-bit home console games, do you indulge in any scanline filters or ever play them on a tube to recreate the same look? I am one of those crazies with like five tubes in his house, so I thought I would ask if I should be locked up. You know, I, uh... I think if you're going to get arcade cabinets, I think if you're going to have an arcade cabinet and this is harder to do all the time because it's, you know, just supply is what it is. But, um, I think if you're going to get an arcade cabinet, it should have a CRT in it. If you can't get one and the only way for you to use it is to replace it with a flat panel, then you got to do what you got to do. But, that is the one case where I go like, man, try to try to stick with the, the you know, because like otherwise, I guess I look at it as like once you've crossed that bridge, once you're like, hey, I'm just going to put a flat panel in this. Then you're like, I don't know. You're like, oh, I'm just going to build my own main cabinet and do that. You know, why have any of it at that point? 
And the answer is because, you know, sometimes you have an arcade cabinet and the tube dies and you're like, well, I still want to be able to use this. So I guess I'm going to have to get a flat panel and maybe see if this tube can be repaired or replaced. But in the meantime, I'm going to throw this LCD screen in it or whatever else. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think if you're, you know, if if you're going to, if you're going to go, then go. You know, if you're going to get an arcade cabinet, get a fucking arcade cabinet. Um, which again, it's easier said than done because obviously, you know, no one is making new CRTs. So as those tubes, as those things die in your arcade cabinet, it becomes harder and harder to find replacements and all of that other stuff. Um, as far as console games, no, I don't, you know, scanline filters and all that stuff. I, I'm not, I'm not really, I, I, I'm not really into it. Um, I'm usually fine just looking at those, the raw image. Um, and I get it, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you know, you look at these graphics and like Super Mario RPG is a really good example. Ridge Racer Type 4 is a really interesting example also. I was playing that because that is available to play on a PlayStation 5. You can download that game and play it. And so I did that. And then I remembered like, oh, right. All the text and everything in this game looks like total shit without scan lines, without, you know, like at any kind of up anything. Like it's just the, the fonts they chose. A lot of that stuff is just a blocky, weird mess. It is literally difficult to read, um, which is a shame because I think the menus and the design on the, those menus is amazing. Like the Ridge Race R4 is, is an incredible piece of visual design, but you don't always get that impression when you are playing it in a modern context because without those scan lines, like a lot of that stuff just looks like shit. Um, and, you know, same with, yeah, Super Mario RPG and some of the Donkey Kong Country or like people look at like, oh, look at Dracula and Symphony of the Night and whatever else. Um, and yeah. Sometimes that stuff, you know, you, you see when it's running with some scan lines or running on a regular TV, you're like, okay, I I guess like they designed it to have those scan lines because they knew what they were, you know, what TVs they were working with when they made that art in the first place. And so it was never meant to be seen in a purely raw format and blah, 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 blah. That's it's, it's rarely something that I mind. And so I, I don't really get too into the whole fake scan line thing. Sometimes I, I've started to toy with it here and there. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's not something I, I spend a, a ton of like that. That technology is getting better all the time. Shaders for scan line filters and slot masks and all this other crazy stuff. You can, you can do pretty good with it. Um, you can do pretty good with it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a CRT out in the garage. It is a big widescreen Sony, uh, big old TV, weighs a trillion pounds, and um, you know, it'll go, it'll play 720p and it'll play 1080i. It was like kind of my PS2 and Xbox television, um, before all the TVs were flat, and. Um, I hooked my mister up to that at one point and I was playing some games on that and I was like, this is neat, but it was just neat. You know, like I think the convenience 
of modern televisions and their flatness is great. And so, you know, I, I did not move that TV in here so I could use it for games. Sometimes I think about getting a PVM or something and just having a little, you know, like a, a good little four by three tube TV that I can just have. It's not huge, but it's, it's big enough that I can, you know, play games on it or, or, or whatever. I think that would be neat, but I don't need it. I don't need it, need it. It'd be neat, but you know, you know, um, Michael in Wales writes and says, do you think Nintendo could potentially have a similar issue with marketing their next console like they did going from the Wii to the Wii U? I suppose the issue last time was the last time was the name. So hopefully they literally just stick a fat two on the next switch like Nintendo switch Two colon the new one. Yes. The new Nintendo console. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's become this big anecdote, right? Like, I don't know if there's any hard science of like customer sentiment behind it, but there's, there's a ton of credence paid to the idea that by naming it the Wii U, it was very confusing to people. Uh, and, um, and that people thought it was an add on for the existing Wii that they didn't need or whatever, or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, um, I don't know how much of a factor that actually played, you know, because, they, you know, they, they, uh, they could have marketed it as like, here's the new console. And I'm sure they did, but yeah, you know, how, how much that market confusion contributed to the Wii U sales story, who knows, right? Did it have an effect? Probably, probably some, but you know, is that the sole reason why the Wii U is, is looked at now as a failure? Probably not. I think there were other there were other headwinds they were facing at the time that um, that that didn't do them any favors. So I, I think it's probably very tempting, especially for ex Nintendo people, to try to look at that and go like, "Well, the name was all wrong." Um, but the story is is a lot deeper than that. I think. Um, as far as putting out a new console and if it looks similar, I, you know. I think, yeah, you slap a number on it. I think that works. If they wanted to call it the Super Switch, that might be cool too. I think that would be fun if they called it that. Um, But like, look at where Apple got to with it. Um, You know, Apple spent a long time numbering their things. You know, here's the, the iPhone 3G. Here's the iPhone 4. Here's the iPhone, you know, they still do. Here's the iPhone, what, the 14 is this year's, or is it? It's 15, it's 15 this year. Um, but then on the iPad, they kind of did away with a lot of that. They said, oh, we're just going to call it the new iPad or we're going to call it the iPad mini. And then a new one's going to come out. And what are you going to call that? The iPad mini. Um, and it doesn't necessarily cause the same level of confusion. I am often confused by the iPad lines. Um, because you don't know when they updated them last because they don't update them on on an annual cadence the way they do with phones that sometimes you're like is this is this ipad new or is this like a three-year-old ipad that they just haven't updated in a while or 
or whatever. I some I don't know. Maybe maybe they're maybe they're not doing themselves any favors in that department either. But um, I would be curious to yeah, like you know, if they were issuing switches more frequently, then they would probably just call it the switch and just keep calling it the switch. Um, but like that, yeah, the Apple stuff is weird because you you end up in a situation where like, especially if you're buying accessories. And you're like, I have an iPad here. This is, I have an iPad Pro. I do. I have an iPad Pro somewhere. Um, and if I had to buy a case for it or a cover, I would have no fucking idea. Like the, the thing they do, the thing that Apple does that is actually pretty smart is when you open up the Apple Store app on your phone or tablet, it says... Here's stuff that works with your device. The one, the, the ones that are currently working on your account right now. Here's one. Here's something that works with the iPad. You are looking at this on. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Because otherwise, if you go on Amazon or you know you're looking somewhere else for fucking parts for it, or you know, parts, but you know, uh, accessories or or whatever, it's like, okay, do I have? Okay, this is an iPad Pro. What year is it? Was it there's like this and, and MacBooks are in the same boat sometimes where it's like, do you have a mid 2021 MacBook Mini and I'm like or MacBook Alt Air or whatever it is? I'm like mid 2021. What the? F- you shouldn't have to go digging into the settings to figure out what the fuck you have. Um, Nintendo has never been that bad. The Wii U was never as bad as as Apple's iPad stuff has been. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I, I think you call it the switch too and just be done with it. Unless there's some other hook with it, which is the problem they ran into with the Wii U, I guess, is they're like, well, no, it's more than just a, we, you know, they, they, if there's some other hook with that hardware that, you know, dictates them having a different name, then I would go with Switch 2, even over Super Switch. As much as I think there's a good nostalgic reason to call it the Super Switch, I think if you just call it the Switch 2, people will know what it is. People will understand. Um, because you will look at the Switches that they have in stock, and then you will say, this is the Switch 2. You go, okay. Those are not Switch 2s, so... And they're not Switch 3s, so they must be Switch 1s. Um, I think that that would work just fine. I also think that, you know, it, it, well, it depends on how good they're doing with inventory. Like, w- will they have a lot of situations where they have multiple switches on shelves or will they do a good job of selling out of most of their OLED switches uh, right around the time the Switch 2 comes out so that they're not competing with themselves on the, on on shelves, you know? Um I don't know. I don't know what other names you could go with, but I, I think you know. It's, you just have to convey that yo, this thing is the new one, and so it, a, a two does that. A two does that just fine. Does switch two mean anything? No, but like, who cares? It's one more than the other one, and that that will work. In the same way that again, you know, that that iPhones have been using for you know for years now. Just slap a fucking slap the fucking number on it. Um, 
Super Switch also abbreviates to SS, which I think you kind of maybe don't necessarily want to do that. Um, but yeah, I think you throw a two on it. Because because unless there unless there's something about the form factor that is changing dramatically, you know, you don't just rename it to something else. You know, you you maintain the switch name because the switch name has heat on it. When you go into stores, I, again, I, I think that there's you know the precedent for like yo, this has a higher number on it. I think is is well done across so many other parts of technology, meaning phones. You know, Google does it with pixels and whatever else that I think it's very easy for people to walk into a store and be like, oh, the Switch 2. But also, I think by and large, the initial people buying a Switch 2 will know exactly what it is that they're looking for and what they're getting and why. The early adopters will will drive that conversation. That's why I think that the conversation about the Wii to Wii U thing um, is not some major problem. Did it happen? Yes, probably. But... Early adopters know what a Wii U was, and if they got it and loved it, they would talk it up in a way that would kind of overcome a lot of that stuff. But the Wii U was never going to be, you know, probably never going to be as big a hit as the original Wii was because they just didn't have the same hooks. They didn't have the same games. It was a very different kind of concept that was not as, I don't think it was as family friendly as the Wii was. Um... And so I think the just the design of the Wii U is the Wii U's real problem. The name of it didn't help, but like by and large, you just didn't the the scenario of of like big Wii big Wii fans going in the store and being like, I don't what is that? What do I do I need to get this or no? Like the answer is you don't. If you're just like some Wii bowling dude who's just like, I love the Wii bowling. Can I get more of the Wii bowling? You don't want a fucking Wii U. I don't care what they fucking call it. They could have named that thing anything. Those people don't want a fucking Wii U. It was never going to be some hundreds of millions selling console. It just, it was never going to be that, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, I don't know. Again, like, like trying to lay the failure of the Wii U at the feet of its name alone is, I, I think not, I, I think that's deceptive at best. Grant from Niagara Falls writes in, I was out at a club in downtown LA this past weekend where my friend attempted to order a vodka Red Bull. He was informed that the club no longer carries Red Bull and exclusively carries ghost energy. The bartender said that sales have never been higher since they changed over and they will never be carrying Red Bull again. What are the implications of this move? Personally, I do enjoy the majority of the flavors of ghost but it is not a valid substitute for a Red Bull when you add it to vodka. For reference, the two flavors they had were orange creamsicle and tropical mango. Yeah, man. I um, I agree. I, I, think that, uh, I, I think that orange creamsicle and tropical mango would probably mix with vodka incredibly well. No issues there. But when you want a vodka Red Bull, you need a vodka Red Bull. And that's not a vodka Red Bull. It's, you know, it's an energy drink with vodka in it. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you know, that's just like the ghost energy rep came in and sold this bar on it and it's working out great. So I'm not, you know, I'm sure that that's a competitive space 
Um, but I like Red Bull. I don't know. I almost bought a Red Bull yesterday because uh, it had just been a long time since I had had Red, a, a proper Red Bull. I was like, I could go for a Red Bull, but I ended up not going for one. I wonder how Red Bull as a brand is doing these days because I, I feel like they, they rolled out all their, all their flavored Red Bulls. I think a lot of those are really shitty. Um, and I like regular Red Bull, but I have not bought one in ages. Um, so, so I just, I just wonder, yeah, how, how is, how is Red Bull doing these days in the face of all this weird competition from all these thousand different brands that are out there? Uh, maybe it's different worldwide. Like ghost probably isn't selling around the world the way Red Bull is. Uh, an anonymous emailer writes in and says in a recent podcast you talked about how the ESA was pushing for a facial recognition standard to help validate whether or not a user was an adult within the past week I saw this technology being implemented on my favorite pornograph site in the past the site simply required users to click yes I'm an adult but not anymore We know the adult industry has really been the key decision maker in which standard wins out. Could this be the same here? Of course, I immediately closed the site when they asked to validate my face and found another site for my pornography needs. So perhaps this won't work out after all. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that like, if, if, especially in a porn context, I think if, if a porn site is saying, let's take a look at your face, people are gonna be like, fuck you. What? No, apps. What? Um, absolutely not. Maybe if you're paying for it already and then you're like, then you've got a credit card or something then maybe you're already, I, I don't know. Um, but I feel like that would, yes, that would lead to, there's no shortage of pornography on the internet. Stop me if you, you know, maybe you're aware of that, but, um, This doesn't seem like something that will stick in that uh, in that context. So I I don't know. Uh, some people in chat are saying that some states aren't requiring it at the state level. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's fucking crazy. Um, I get the idea that like, hey, you don't want minors to access uh, porn sites. Um, Are minors looking at legit porn sites? Are minors looking at sites that require sign up and like, like there's so this seems like one of those laws that just like only hampers people that are trying to run a legit porno business. But like, there's so much other stuff out there all the time anyway, that like, why would you ever visit a legit porno business? I'm not, Hey, you, you know, Hey, sometimes you need it a certain way. And you got to pay to get it up. You know, it's, you know, uh, I wish everyone the best, especially the people in that line of work. I know it's been fucking crazy since the internet completely blew it up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That seems, um, bad. Seems like a bad way to go. Seems like a bad way to go. I don't really know. Um, yeah, the, the the ESA thing, I, I saw some additional uh, discussion of the facial recognition stuff. 
and basically the complaint around what they're proposing because if you remember as we talked about this last week so the idea is that this is not for like buying games this is not the esrb saying like are you gonna buy an m-rated game show me your face this is specifically for when kids sign up for websites when kids sign up for a roblox account when kids sign up for a service somewhere and it needs to notify a parent that the kid has done this what they want to do on the parent end is have it so you can just hold up the phone to your face and it'll say that looks like an adult face okay whereas right now what they're doing is there's like four other ways that they try to verify Yes, you are an adult. So they're basically trying to make that easier. Now, of course, when you make that easier, what you are really enabling is parents just rubber stamping a process without looking into it and doing their due diligence. They're just like, oh, whatever. Um, And then this makes it theoretically easier for all of these companies to collect customer data from kids under the age of 13. And that collecting data from kids under the age of 13 is the actual problem here. Um, and that, that enabling that to happen more smoothly and easily for a lot of these companies is, uh, the actual problem. Um, and yeah, that doesn't seem great. That does not seem great. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I feel bad for you and your pornography, pornography needs. I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. The internet is vast. Um, Jake from Texas writes in and says, I was wondering why you don't like Quan Chi from Mortal Kombat. I think he's a cool villain with a cool design. I mean, he's got green fireballs. He enslaved Liu Kang. What's not to love? Quan Chi is like a fucking is some bullshit right hand man conniving fucko that he's not a, he's not a proper villain. He's just some fucking dude that is he is willing to work for Shang Tsung. He is willing to work for Shao. He'll work for anybody. As long as he gets to fucking drink a nice cold one on Friday, Quan Chi will fucking do whatever. And so I, I think Quan Chi, I just, I, I thought that, you know, when, when Quan Chi debuted in Mortal Kombat four as a playable character, I thought he was shitty. That's where all of this comes from is I think he was shitty as a fighting game character. Like a lot of the characters that were in Mortal Kombat four. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so a lot of it originates there, but, uh, as far as, hey, man, Rich Divizio playing Quan Chi, Mortal Kombat, Mythologies, Sub-Zero, that's classic. That's a classic portrayal. It's amazing. It is some amazing FMV. Um, And so I, I love Quan Chi in that specific context. I love Rich Divizio drinking a cold one. By cold one, I think I mean a cold Pepsi, right? Uh, and, and, and all of that, but... Uh, but I think that, like, as a character, uh, Quan Chi has just often been, like, the secondary villain. He's just showing up to convey someone else's message, and then he's up to his own... He's, he's playing both sides, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I don't know. He just... He never really had a lot of depth beyond that, I think, is um, probably my real problem with Quan Chi as a character. Um... 
So yeah, uh, Grant wrote in with this. We were talking about this earlier. I've bought into every generation prior to this one straight away, but this one just feels like it hasn't gotten started yet. Three years in now, is the problem me or has there been no bangers yet? I'm still playing everything on my PS4. And when I look at side-by-side comparisons of their exclusives, I can barely see any improvements graphically. I just feel bored of gaming and still have no desire to buy a PS5 and not making the VR backwards compatible killed any chance of me upgrading. Though on a side note, I'm also bored of Sony's exclusives now and wish they did something new from the format they established at the end of the PS3's life. Not getting Call of Duty could have been the best thing that ever happened if Sony had to invest in a first-person shooter of their own. It feels like corporate Sony have taken over from the more friendly one they probably faked on us to market the PS4. Harsh words from Grant. Um, Yeah, you know, hey, look, I think that PS4... I I think that PS4 stuff runs acceptably well in a lot of cases. Um, I don't know that I would say I can't see the difference, um, but... Yeah, you know, we had a good long run of games coming out on both platforms, and that's something that is still happening here and there. Uh, it is happening less so, especially, I think, with the first party stuff that is, you know, mostly tapering off now. But yeah, you know, um, all these cross-gen bundles and whatever else, like that stuff still runs mostly okay on those consoles. So yeah you don't necessarily need to run out and spend $500 on a PlayStation five to continue to play games. Um, that's going to change, you know, over the next little bit here because, you know, and it has started to change, right? There's just, there's fewer PS4 games coming out all the time, but there are still a lot of PS4 games coming out and backwards compatibility has kind of enabled that for a class of games that don't necessarily need to spend a bunch of time spinning out a PS five version when they can just spit out a PS4 version. I think you see this a little bit more on Xbox. Um, you know, because of the the compatibility situation there that like all that stuff just goes into the same game library and you just download it and it runs regardless of if you have a PS4 or a PS5 or an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X, right? So, um, yeah, Street Fighter 6 came out on PS4. It's crazy. Um, Mortal Kombat is next gen only, right? That's next gen. Uh, current gen only. Uh, right? I feel like I need to look that up now. I, th- I believe that's the case, but. Okay, no, it's. No, it is. Yeah, that is that is only going to new consoles and the Switch, which will be interesting also if they're doing the work to put that out on switch it really seems like that some of that work could be used to put it out on ps4 considering what they'll need to do to the assets to get it to run on a ps4 but but hey um i just uh you know listen everyone's going to be different grant i think when you say that you are tired of sony's exclusives their first party stuff yeah, I, I I tend to agree in a lot of cases. You know, we were talking about Ratchet though, and I th- I think Ratchet is a, a fantastic game. Um, 
but I'm with you, you know, like Horizon hasn't really, you know, like the the first Horizon game I thought was incredible and I thought that I kind of wish they didn't make a sequel. Um you know, I'm not a big God of War guy. I'm not a big Naughty Dog guy across the board. Um Yeah, the the Sony franchises that I fell in love with across the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. You know, all that stuff's gone. With the exception of Ratchet and that might shit, man. Is Ratchet the only franchise they have left? That, well, I guess God of War. But God of War feels a little different because they're you know they're they're rebooting it or whatever. But like, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Sony has changed its uh, attitude. Sony is as Sony is a different company than it was uh, ten years ago, five years ago, whatever. Um, and you know, I, I, a lot of people, you know, I, I get weird messages from people going like, why does Sony still front? Like they're a Japanese company when they're definitely not. It's like, well, they are, they're just a Japanese company that is like this division is being led out of the UK. Like Jim Ryan is running this company out of, out of Europe. Like, and, and they, they centralized worldwide around Europe. They didn't centralize around the U S if Jack Tretton had stayed on and not left, I wonder if they would have centralized in the U.S. Because um, remember, like Sean Layden was at the at the helm in the U.S. when they did all this stuff. So, and then you know he was not there not long after that, right? So that's the sort of situation you look at and go like, oh, well, when Sean Layden was suddenly no longer able to run the u.s on his own was he like this job sucks i'm fucking getting out of here fuck this you know like this is just like those sorts of scenarios um yeah i don't know like the the centralization of of worldwide companies in europe or in the uk you know sega kind of did the same thing in some in some situations they're they're not fully but you know a lot of the um for a while there, all of the Sega PR stuff was coming out of the UK. Um, and, and we were like, it felt like they were moving away from the U S in terms of offices and whatever else. Now they, they do have offices. They have a Sonic office down here in Southern California, but there's some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, um, it, I, to me, I, I don't care where the companies run out of like that stuff. You know, you, you maybe see some of that, in the way that the company presents itself uh, when they're talking publicly or whatever, but by and large, you know, there is still something of a Japanese arm of Sony, but you know, Japan studio isn't what it was meaning, you know, existing, you know, whatever else, but um, the, the changes they made on that front, they just don't have that anymore. And I, I feel like the, the PlayStation brand and I think Xbox is actually in the same boat for a lot of different reasons. We talk about it all the time with like their franchises feel stale or whatever else. I don't think necessarily that Sony's franchises all feel stale. It's more that like the PlayStation brand used to feel surprising and inventive and playful and um, innovative across the board, innovative in, in a, a ton of, of different ways. Um, 
And now they're they're highly innovative. Like you know the PlayStation Five, you know the the choices they made around that hardware. I think that that they they made some very innovative choices. I'm not saying that like they're they're stale across the board. I, I think that like they've found a good formula. They have designed their consoles in ways to improve games in that formula of just like okay, we well we want ray tracing here. We want this. We want that. We you know the the bits and pieces that they put together were to help make their games better, kind of the same as Nintendo does, but in a much, you know, safer way. Um, and so those are the games that drive their business. So they make sure that they make consoles that can make those games so that they can keep driving their business. I, I look at it that way, you know, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, hey, I miss the weird shit. Like the last guy. You know, everyone talks about Tokyo Jungle, and yeah, dude, Tokyo Jungle's fucking nuts. Vib Ribbon. Like, there's just not a lot of... They don't have as much weird shit anymore, and th- that's something the industry has gotten away from. Uh, at a triple at A, at a, you know, at a high budget, as a console manufacturer level, a lot of the games being made by major studios have to be safe, because they're spending so much goddamn money on them. But they're like, all right, this game has to appeal to the widest variety of people possible. So it can't be weird shit. Indie developers are making weirder shit every day. Weirder shit than the fucking PlayStation ever had. You fucking dig around itch, dig around Steam sometimes. Like there's all kinds of, there's so many games coming out. There's so much innovation. There's so much fresh takes and fun ideas coming out of all these other things. But the big companies just aren't doing it the way that they used to. The big companies are becoming even more blockbuster focused by and large you still yeah there's still some good you know hi-fi rush came out pentiment came out like you know microsoft took some some fun little chances around some smaller games which is neat um but yeah i don't know i i uh i there's there's definitely like that that middle tier of games got gutted out of the industry um Indie games have gotten bigger in ways that sometimes fill those gaps. But, you know, like look at Activision. That's a studio. That's a publisher that used to publish two dozen games a year. And they're like, fuck it. We got a Spider-Man game. Now we got this shooter. Now we got this. And now you look at them and they're like, oh, we got, you know, we put out Diablo. We put out this crash game like yeah we're not just putting out one game but like you just associate us with call of duty and that's it now we have a fucking fuck ton of people working on those and ubisoft didn't do that and ubisoft seems lost right i mean ubisoft feels like a company that could go any which way someone could buy that company tomorrow or they could turn it around or they could never turn it around like there's just ubisoft is fucking weird Ubisoft felt like they were that they had a formula and they were like we're going to keep doing this and they did and then I people must have eventually said this is not viable whether it's to make these games or to buy these games something happened there in the middle around Ghost Recon Breakpoint or something where they were like fuck I don't know if people want these games anymore uh yeah it's, <laughs> it's real weird it's real weird um But, um, I don't know. It's tempting to always want to like really like wax poetic and and really like hold this nostalgia for like the early PS one days. 
and the PS2 days. But really, the thing that changed is when the PS1 was coming out and when the PS2 was out, and this lessened over time, games were made for regions. Games were, came out in Japan and they didn't come out in the U.S. Games came out in Japan and they took eight months to be localized into English and come out in, in, in the States. You know, you had games that you would import games and just be like, this is so unlike anything that is being published in the U.S. It's such a quirky, charming, weird thing. And um, and they're just, no, no one's making games like this over here. And we'll look at it. And, and, but like, as the industry kind of grew a lot of that production just became I don't know, homogenized whatever but you know like people are making games for worldwide audiences and that's impacted japanese development as well as u.s development and that's industry-wide that's you know we talk when we talk about japanese game development playstation probably becomes a much bigger part of that conversation because a lot of those games are just not coming out on xbox so you know it, it it's something that probably impacts the PlayStation more than most, but you know, Babylon's fall. You know, look at that example of like, Hey, we're going to try to make this and it's this kind of character action game. It's not awesome. And we're going to make this. And also we're going to make it a live service game and we're going to put battle pass in it. We're going to do all this different stuff. You saw, you know, here's a Japanese studio doing all of this live game stuff in a way that, um, you know, that a lot of Japanese games didn't do. Um, here's like, what the fuck? Uh, and it was a dismal failure. Um, so I, you know, but I, I think that that's the thing that happened. The thing that happened is, is, Hey, People are making games for worldwide audiences now. Exo Primal didn't come out and be like, well, we're going to put this out in Japan first because that's we, we made it here and this is where it's going. This is, hey, uh, we're, we're making this game and it's it's we're making it for a worldwide audience. And so now that games are being made for that worldwide audience, I think you, you know, they, a lot of the rough edges get smoothed off. A lot of the appeal, the weird regional appeal that sometimes worms its way into some games. You just see a little bit less of it, a little bit less, not, not none. I'm not, you know, like you can, uh, yeah, I don't know. You you can, you can do that. Well, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say here, but, uh, I guess like I would say that that, that approach to making games for a worldwide audience is sometimes not all the time less fun comes across as less weird and weird is always a really reductive thing to say you know it's it's, it's like all those weird japanese games like it's not you know <laughs> they're not necessarily weird they're just made for a different audience and now like that audience is a worldwide audience and you know look at how big anime is here now like a lot of that stuff is is unified in in uh across the board really you know um but you know, we, we, a lot of that stuff just kind of gets, it gets made for a worldwide audience. And then that, 
has its positives as a, from a business perspective, but also its negatives, maybe from a creative one. Uh, near automata automata, if you will, is a really good example. And, and, you know, we still see like good examples of just some Japanese games that like when you play them, they have the vibe, they, they, everything about them feels like a product of where they came from and who made them and all of that in a way that feels like it bucks a trend. You know what I mean? Um, the persona games, you know, some of the stuff that Atlas is doing these days feels like they're trying to bridge that gap. Like persona became very popular in the States, but like, it's still this, you know, and, and they're trying to find a Like we live in a world where the, the Yakuza franchise got big in a way that no one could have ever anticipated. And so what happens to that when they're like, Oh man, this, they like this game in the States. The, the ways it can go are like, we're going to keep making them the way we make them because we hit upon something and people like it, or you could take it in a really bad direction. And I'm not saying they're doing this, but you know, the, the, you, if you lean into that worldwide popularity, suddenly you start fucking up the thing that people liked your game for, you know? Um, and I think Yakuza is a really great example of a game that hasn't been doing that. And, 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 I think the rise of the souls games and, and some of that is, is a little bit also sort of, you know, those games aren't necessarily quote unquote weird. I mean, the Souls games are fucking weird, but not, not in the same way we're talking about here. Um, you know, people, there are a lot of people in the game playing audience that were more willing to meet those types of games halfway. And so it's weird to me now that it sometimes feels like instead of seeing more games like that, instead of seeing more Japanese developers kind of making bigger games that don't feel like they're homogenizing to Western design tropes. Instead, those franchises just like they exist as anomalies, almost be like, Oh, the Yakuza games like, Oh, monster hunter. They, they, they did, you know, like, and it's weird. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling here. I don't know that I have a really like a, 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 like a poignant thing here at the end to hit upon here, but, um, I guess like, yeah, like, you know, yes, that's a good example. Chad rat two says dragon's dogma. Yeah. So like, you know, they're going to make a sequel to dragon's dogma. That's cool and weird. They could fuck it up somewhere along the way. It looks like they're making a game that is true to what that first game is, which is good. Um, I wonder if Exo Primal would have been better if it had been like, you know, a little less live servicey, a little, a little less. Uh, hey, check out this battle pass. Hey, check out all of this live game stuff. I wonder, you know, if there's a better game somewhere there. But because they were trying to make something like that, they, you know, had to do what they had to do and, and made a thing that was like eh, this is fucking this bad um yeah I, I don't know it's uh it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time for i think a lot of culture right now you know we talk about games but you know like the 
anime streaming services and and their their wider availability than they would have had 10 or 15 years ago and you know just the 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 weird land grab when every streaming service was trying to get into anime and they fucked a lot of it up along the way but you know like the that that became something that they were trying to get in on um and then suddenly you had the like, here's the Western made live action version of this thing. And whoops, everyone fucking hates it. It's like, oh, it's because it's garbage. You dumbass. Uh, you know, it's been interesting watching all that stuff happen, but I, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird space these days. And I think that, you know, the, the pandemic and what it did to game development and, and, and everything else has, has caused a lot of, weird issues that it's hard to look at anything that's happening right now and go that's a that's a that's a trend that's this is where it's going like it's really hard to look at a lot of stuff right now and say this is where it's going because it feels like so much shit is just still sorting itself out um i definitely feel that way about like the media business you know like it's fucking brutal out there you know there are no jobs if you want to write about games fucking go, go do anything else um I think it will come back around again. But like the media business is, is completely, you know, the, the journalism reporting, like all of that, that, that whole thing is super fucked right now. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think it's, it's still got quite a lot of, you know, there, there's probably more jobs to lose in that space than there are to gain. Uh, I don't think that stuff's bottomed out personally. Um, but I think we get to a point where, you know, well, yeah, I, I think it, it's, we're, we're at a really crummy point in that cycle right now. Um, really crummy point in that cycle right now where, yeah, you got a lot of marketing people. You got a lot of, yeah, there's there's a lot of just uh fans decided they wanted some of their information direct from the publishers themselves and 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 whatever else. And there's a lot of fucking weird shit happened. And then, you know, the AI stuff's going to get in there and fuck up even more shit. But I don't think that stuff works. I don't think that stuff will last. Uh I think that eventually well, I don't know. I think the whole, you know, you could argue that the entire internet has to implode uh, from a business perspective before before it starts to dig its way out. Um, you know, Google is going to fuck up search even more because search is getting worse and worse and worse. It's getting harder and harder to find the things you're looking for online because so many ads are getting interjected so many algorithms are being you know shoved in front of you when you look for stuff and um it used to be like an almost an art to it where you're like i'm really good at searching for stuff online some people are really bad at it it's weird but i'm i just know what to type and i know how to type it and i know how to speak the search engine's language to get the results i'm looking for and here's where you put the quotes and here's where you do this like those results are getting fucking super bad too um and so, yeah, I don't know. I think there, there's just a, there's going to have to be a big reckoning. And I think that, you know, from, uh, from a sick accelerationist perspective, AI is going to be the thing that kind of eventually causes that reckoning because it's going to cause it all to turn in on itself. 
And when no new information is being generated and AI is just there to generate the new information itself, it will eat itself alive. And uh, that's not going to go well for information on the internet. I don't know. Feels bad to have an election coming up in the middle of, uh, you know, as this stuff is really as like uh, the, the things that you look at is kind of like the, the base pillars of things on the internet that are used to convey information in a truthful and logical way as more and more of that stuff gets worn away and you're like, Oh, we got two years to fucking figure this shit out or else. Woo. Um, it's going to be, yeah, the next few years are going to be real fucked up. Real fucked up. Uh, Matt and Chiba writes in and says, I picked up a used fat PS2 at my local hard off. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Hard off. And decided to give it a good clean inside. So it smelled a bit bad when starting it up. Lo and behold, a fossilized little cockroach from decades of yore and some form of dried up residue awaited inside. The machine is clean now, but still feels filthy in a way that will probably never go away. Would you keep something like this or throw it away? And do you have any stories of insect infestations in video game consoles to share? I hope not. None that I know of. I got to open up some, uh, I got to open up some hardware for sure. But, um, but it sounds like you had one cockroach come out and some dried up residue, which sounds, um, you know, bad. Even one cockroach is bad. But, uh, when you hear these stories about like, oh, it's, it was full of dead ants or full of dead this, or it was like, ugh, yuck, bruh. um, I have never had to deal with that scenario. Um, that said, I was out in the garage yesterday. And I realized I've got like five Xbox debug kits and like three or four, re- like original Xbox. You know, I got like three or four retail Xboxes. And I have not opened up any of them to cut the clock capacitors out of them. Um, which those things leak over time and, and you know, eventually are bad. You, you, need to, you need to cut those out of them before they destroy your Xbox. And I was like, man, I got to open up all these Xboxes one of these days and cut all these caps out. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh man, what if I open up these Xboxes and it's full of nightmares? What if when I crack open these Xboxes, it's, it's full of a disaster? Um, and I got all scared. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I have never had to deal with one of those, but that doesn't mean I don't have one. It's entirely possible. Um, but they were usually, usually it was a case where they were attracted to the heat of the consoles. And so, I don't know. I had a lot of consoles just out in the garage for a long time and they were not um, plugged in or turned on or anything. So hopefully that wouldn't attract anything. Ugh. The only problem I had out in the, that garage, not this garage, the garage I was in before, uh, is that there was a while that there was a rat problem. And so when I was cleaning things up, I got to a couple of boxes where it was like, oh, this has a hole chewed in the side. Oh, this is full of rat poop. Fuck this box. This box, this, uh, this Pokemon Center Game Boy I brought back from Japan was in a box covered in rat feces. What am I going to do with that? Is that ever going to feel clean again? Ugh. Ugh. 
Ugh. Matt writes in and says, I'm sure you remember the plastic inserts for Intellivision controllers. Were there any early cool gaming tech features that you were fond of? Also, not sure if you had the Intellivision, but did you ever lose or damage one of the plastic inserts? Having to memorize the numbers on the pad kind of sucked. Yeah, those things were terrible. The I have one for the, because the Jaguar, you know, the forward thinking, if you do the math, the forward thinking Atari Jaguar decided to duplicate the controller insert thing that the Intellivision did. And so they had inserts as well. This is one for Wolfenstein that I'm holding up here. Um, these suck. These are terrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Early cool gaming tech features you were fond of. I you know, this is not necessarily a gaming tech feature, but I remember when I first heard about them, I was obsessed with the idea of like the barcode battler. The idea that you could just take any barcode off of any product in your house and scan it. It would make a monster like that seemed like the coolest fucking thing in the world. And I never had, I could never get one back then. I never had one. Um, but I loved the idea. It was so cool. That's the only one I can immediately think of. Uh, Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Drew writes in and says, uh, your discussion about the ESA this week was interesting to me. I interned for them in 2006, thinking it would get me closer to the industry. Maybe it did. Hard to say. A big part of their focus at the time was anti-piracy. My job was to man, this is a, my job was to crawl Craigslist to find Xbox modders or cracked hardware and report it. Ironically, I was able to borrow seized pirated hardware and games so I could play pretty much anything. I wrote a bot to scrape Craigslist and dump it to a spreadsheet and then spent the rest of my time playing Chrono Trigger on a hacked PSP using a SNES emulator, which was ironic. The highlight was attending a congressional hearing where politicians grilled the ESA about why they weren't protecting the children from game mods like hot coffee and the nude mod for Skyrim. They couldn't grasp that mods were user generated. It was all total bullshit, though eye opening to see the legal arm of the industry. To your point, I have no clue why they need to exist at this point, except maybe to be the punching bag for politicians when they need an easy target. Yeah. The idea that like a person working in an anti-piracy capacity was just like that they could just hang out with all the seized fucking hardware and shit is really fucking wild. That's fucking hilarious. Uh, Sazy writes in and says, will they ever make a new general chaos? That'd be cool if they did. No, I don't think they're going to, uh, but I love general chaos. Uh, Ryan from Wilmette, Illinois, Ryan says on a recent podcast, you talked about how jarring it is to see smoking in a video game as smoking in America is way down. Um, I don't know if it's way down. You know, I don't, I, I think a lot of when the kids got off the vape, they, maybe they got back onto cigarettes. I don't really know where cigarettes are at these days. It feels like you just, you don't see it in media as much. I've been playing the Yakuza series and everyone is smoking all the time. In your experience, how different is smoking culture in Japan? Well, you know, my experience is years out of date at this point, so I don't know what it's like these days. 
but um yeah you every time you went to arcades they were people were smoking in arcades you know the, the people you're sitting down at these candy cabs and they all have ashtrays just sitting there on them and people were just chain smoking inside this arcade all the time it was fucking crazy of <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just fucking wild to see. It was just like, geez, this is as crazy as I thought it was, as I heard it was. Yeah, and and so yeah, that was always just weird seeing ashtrays sitting on arcade machines. Um, you know, these days. Neil in Arizona says, "What do you think the chances are in the next decade that we see Microsoft release at at least one game exclusively to Game Pass?" As in, not available to purchase individually. Now, 10 years is a long time. I'm going to say by 2033, yeah, they'll try it. Sure. But, um, I think if they were going to do this, have a game that you couldn't purchase outright, and have it only be on Game Pass, it would, I mean, you know, Nintendo did this with the you know tetris 99 and some of the other stuff there right like you can't just buy those games those games are temporary and they come and go like pac-man 99 or whatever the um i could see them doing something along the like if one versus 100 were to come back as everyone seems to think it should i think that's a limited time event i think you you say, hey, we're bringing back one versus 100 on a limited run basis, and we're going to have a, a an eight-episode run this summer, or we're going to, you know, hey, we're going to do a, a three-month run here. Then, yeah, you don't say buy it for $60. You say it's exclusively for Game Pass members to come play one versus 100. I think if you do something that is that type of live event or 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 such a live service that is tied into these sorts of events... I could see them doing something like that. And I think they will try something like that. I, I, I'll put it this way. If they were to bring back one versus 100, which I'm starting to think is not going to happen because I think if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. Um, that it would only make sense as something that you get as part of being a Game Pass subscriber or potentially a separate subscription, but not something you purchase outright. Because why would you, you know, again, especially if it's something they're looking at as a limited time event, event based gaming, uh, you know, the, the, I, I would have thought we would have seen way more of this. I would have thought that HQ, the popularity of HQ trivia seemed like something that was poised to make a lot of change in the video game business, but then it imploded so spectacularly that everyone just treated it as this radioactive concept. And they're just like, fuck this. It's this fickle thing. Not, no, there's no money there. There's nothing there. But I think the idea of like that type of appointment based thing like HQ, like one versus 100. I thought it was incredible. It was an amazing thing. And I think, I, I guess I'm surprised that we don't see more more stuff like that that there hasn't been more experimentation around 
those sorts of games and those sorts of experiences. I here's another one that you know might not immediately seem like the same thing, but in my in my mind it is. Um, UFC when EA was doing, or maybe this was just the EA Sports MMA game before they had the the UFC license. I don't remember exactly which game it was, but EA wanted to do this thing with their MMA game where you would win a belt. You would be the title holder for online. You would be like, I'm the fucking light heavyweight champion of this game, period. And then you go on to defend it in live events where you are playing the game against the number two ranked competitor at this time and that they're doing live commentary. And they've did this a few times. They had people from the dev team or whatever. So you'd be playing the game or, you know, spectating, really. You'd be spectating a live event where these players are playing the game and you were getting piped in live commentary instead of the game commentary. Instead of just like recorded Joe Rogan's fucking stupid ass, you would get, you know, people on the dev team doing live commentary. It's a lot of hurdles there where someone fucking, you know, doesn't show up and it ruins the whole event or, you know, or whatever. But like the idea of like, hey, once a month, we're going to put together a card of fights with the major, with the, the, the best players online in an esports kind of context. And we're going to have these eight fights. And we're going to do live commentary over it. So tune in, put in the game, turn it on and tune in to this event. And we're going to do this live. Like, I think that's fucking cool as shit. I think that's such a fucking awesome idea. The it, It's really hard to, to do it all in-game, right? I mean, to make all of that happen in-game. Because, and, and maybe that's why stuff like that doesn't happen on a wider scale. Because people just stream it on Twitch. And, you know, instead they just, the live commentary comes from the live stream and, and, and all that other stuff. Dota had some stuff in-game for watching esports, but I don't remember if they did commentary there or not. Um, yeah, that does comment. Okay. So Dota two had commentary. Yeah. So I think that's such a fucking neat idea. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, probably the actual reason why you don't see more of that is because for them to hit the viewer numbers that they need to hit, they need to stream it on Twitch and wherever else they can instead of it being a situation where like, Hey, if you own the game, you can watch this. That's a very limited number and attracting sponsors for those events and whatever else becomes a much harder thing to do. Whereas if you're streaming it on Twitch, you can be like, Hey, 80 million, you know, however many hundreds, thousands of people clicked on this over this three hour period. Um, that becomes a much easier thing for them to probably sponsor. So that maybe that's why that doesn't happen. But I, I, I think that conceptually, event-based stuff in games um, is really neat. It's not for me as a player anymore. And yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Boat Time says kind of like Fortnite concerts and stuff. Yeah, totally. Like those aren't necessarily like in-game competitive, like, you know, that's not a gameplay event. That's a marketing thing of you're turning this on and watching a Star Wars ad or whatever. Um but that's that's still cool. And when they do that, that's cool. You know, when when Destiny was doing that here and there, I'm sure they'll have at least one or two more of those before they before the final shape is upon us. But um 
the the idea of even just like logging into the game and you know not necessarily having like live audio but like hey let's if you if you log into the game right now a ship is fucking crashing and you can watch it happen like that's cool it's kind of a different thing not not as as big of a live component to it but i yeah i think the idea of putting on a live show that is part game part live show is fucking cool it's fucking really cool uh the way that that ufc or the i think it was just the mma game it was before they before they had the license but anyway that ea thing i thought was a really interesting idea a really fucking cool idea and then obviously one versus 100 is really neat um hq was was really cool when it was going uh, Scott Rogowski, I think he's, he's just, he's like running like a vintage clothing shop selling baseball memory. Like he's a baseball man, that guy. I think you can just go see him. And so I think I think I could probably just drive and go see Scott Rogowski working at a, working at his shop next to a sweet green or something. I don't know. Um, that guy seems cool. That guy seems like he's all right. He's a Tom Sharpling guy. So that guy's that guy's okay. Um, this is a nightmare story here. Nathan from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, writes in and says Garfield was the reason I started drinking coffee at age eight. It's not good. <laughs> it's already not good. I swear this is true. The first depiction of drinking coffee that seemed super cool to me as an impressionable kid in grade school was Garfield. I shortly after asked my parents if I could drink coffee in the morning and they had no issue with it. The stock concern of it stunting my growth was the only concern at the time, but hey, I'm now a night owl person and can't maintain a normal sleep schedule, so maybe Garfield messed up my development and Chuck Schumer is right to try be trying to protect the kids from this new wave of influencers. Thanks for listening to my story. Yeah. Ugh. That's, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I would not let an eight-year-old drink coffee. I don't, my, oh, yeah. My, my son got a hold of some coffee recently by my, you know, it's like kids, you take your eye off them for a sec and you're like, oh, shit. Why does my daughter have a pair of scissors? Um, that's not good. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, uh, Canada banned more energy drinks. I think they're looking to take more drinks off the shelves. Um, you know, Prime was one of the ones they were starting with, but I think in, in Canada they've got labeling laws that some of these drinks like Ghost are apparently not not meeting the standard, and so they were looking to take some of those drinks off shelves. So I don't, I, you might not be able to get some of that stuff up there anymore. I don't know if they have, it's a labeling thing or, or what's going to happen, but it's weird to feel like regulation around energy drinks again. I don't know, it's strange. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Perrick says, uh, energy drinks are considered medicinal in Canada, so they need dosages and stuff. I consider them medicinal right here, dog. <laughs> um, yeah. Ah. Taylor writes in, I randomly got the insane urge to play Guitar Hero again. I've been thinking about it a lot lately, to the point of browsing for PS2s and a copy of Guitar Hero 2. 
Do you think it's time for a new one, or did the market get so oversaturated that it's still feeling the burnout from those games? What kind of benefits do you think a new one could gain from this current gen's technology? <sighs> I, you know, it, it comes down to plastic instruments on shelves and shelf space. It comes down to like retailer shelf space and uh, how available those instruments are and all that other stuff. Um, and I think that that's a, still a hard, still a really hard sell. Um, so, you know, harmonics, I think they're, they're still, they're still doing some DLC for rock band four, right? I think they ended, I know that, that, um, the, the DJ game, the, the mashup game they put out, they stopped doing updates for that but they were, they were not the publisher on that. So that was kind of like whatever, but yeah, harmonics is, uh, yeah, they were purchased by Epic. And I assume that means that they were, they had to spend a lot of time on, um, how to do concerts in Fortnite and whatever else. I have a, a ton of weird business ideas about how like the virtual concert space should be. And, and all of that, um, weirdly enough, uh, Yes, but but yes, between Epic owning Bandcamp and owning Harmonics and a lot of other stuff, there's actually like an interesting connect the dots you could play there and make some really exciting weird new services. Um but yeah, anyway. Yeah, what was the name of that fucking Harmonics game? It's not Drop Mix, that's the card game that Hasbro published. The one that Nexon put a Fuser. That's the one, Fuser. God damn it. Um uh, people are importing custom tracks into Fuser, so if you have a copy of Fuser, you can you can get your hands. You know, it's the the one of the fascinating things about all of this like algorithmic stripping technology, where people are able to kind of separate songs into stems by running them through all these models and algorithms and whatever else. Like it's it's not always awesome qualitatively, but it is usually good enough that you can fucking yank fucking things apart and put these tracks as stems into things like Fuser or use them for your own fucking hellish mashups. And, you know, like there's a lot of stuff you can do with that. Um, that is a lot of fun. It's great. that technology has gotten to a point where we can do that, where I can fucking, you know, rip apart the uh you know if if i wanted to freestyle over the beat from that uh push a t arby's commercial uh i have that separated into vocal and instrumental tracks somewhere on my desktop here still after all this time i should really organize my desktop it's gotten it's getting bad um but it's great that that stuff exists anyway that stuff is you know there's a lot of people that have uh then integrated a lot of that music into Fuser and making customs for Fuser and customs for Rock Band and, and everything else. So there's a lot of cool shit happening. Um, none of which is fully legal, but uh, hey, that doesn't mean it's not awesome and cool. Um, but what kind of benefits do I think a new Guitar Hero could gain from this current generation of technology? It's a subscription service. It's a you know, like the 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 shitty part of it is I think that a lot of it is in, in how that stuff gets served to users. I think buying individual DLC tracks is 
cool, but it's fucking expensive. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea of like, what if I could subscribe to the rock band four or whatever, um, I think is really cool. And guitar hero live tried to do that where they were like, Hey, what if we had a live channel you could turn on and just play, and they had to play along to music videos again. And, you know, cause the te- technology for stripping these tracks down to stems was not really there yet. And so they couldn't really do anything more interesting than that, than that. But nowadays I think if you integrated some of that tech, well, you wouldn't integrate that tech unless you were fucking breaking the law. Right. So you would, you, if you had licensed songs, you would generally have access to the stems. Um, but in cases where artists lost the stems or don't have access to the masters or whatever else, like a lot of this technology exists in such a way that, you know, you could do it. It'd be, it'd be good enough for a fucking rock band game, you know, um, at least. So you'd, you'd have that, but I don't know. Yeah. The subscription service, I, I think a lot of the stuff that guitar hero live tried to do was really smart. Um, in terms of like trying to find a way to make that into a new business model that people might find palatable. Um, you know, but that's, it's, it's tricky. It's very tricky. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, and I think that that's like technology hasn't necessarily advanced that much since they tried that other than, you know, the, the kind of vocal stripping and, and whatever else tech would enable, them to approach a wider variety of songs of course yeah you still have to chart those songs you still have to unless you're going to come up with an algorithm that can generate auto charts which that exists not necessarily for rock but you know but that exists for stuff like audio surf and whatever else but like that oftentimes is not going to be as good as a human generated note chart for what you're playing and when um so yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that, that uh, you really should just get Clone Hero and um, just break the law. It's probably what you should do. You should probably just get into crime um, and do it on your PC. Because I, you know, that's just uh, look, the music industry is not your friend. <laughs> friend i think we were well well established on that but uh but yeah i don't know i i i don't i don't think that there's that i don't think there's enough interest in it also i might also argue on top of this like and i don't know i'd have to go look but like is there enough guitar based music coming out nowadays to matter like, would you do Guitar Hero or yeah, would you, would you be better served by getting into fucking Sound Voltex or some, you know, just, or, you know, a modern DJ hero or, or whatever else? Like, is there, is there enough, yeah, is there enough guitar based music coming out to make a Guitar Hero game popular and viable with today's, with the kids? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. So. You know, just get a trombone controller and uh, get into the music that the kids love. Um, yeah. Uh, 
let's see. Let's scroll back a little bit. Maybe we'll get one more, one more email here. Kyle in Colorado Springs writes in back in April. Um, your topic about your game collection in your garage and how much space it takes up brought me back to a question I've been pondering for the last couple of years, and that's, should I buy the Steel Battalion controller? Was that game any good, or was it just novel? Was this just a special time in the gaming in gaming history where they made a ridiculously large controller for one game just for the hell of it? What did you think when you first got to play it? I remember they released a multiplayer-only sequel, but was that only in Japan? And if they said today they were going to make a sequel and release a new controller, would you be excited? Any chance we ever see a company do something like this again? It's a lot of questions, Kyle. Steel Battalion... Um, I, I, I did not think it was a very good game. I don't think that game is good. It was cool. The cool thing about the controller was that you like the eject button had a little plastic cover over it. So you got to flip it up and hit the button like, Oh fuck this. We got to get out of here. Um, and, um, and that was pretty much it, but it's not. It's just not a great game. It's not like the mission design. I remember being really fucking annoying. I remember the act of playing that game felt like aggressively like annoying once you were in it. Once you were past like, oh yeah, we got to do the startup sequence and flip all these switches and start up the mech and do all, like all that stuff. Super fucking cool. Um... But the part where you had to play the video game and the part where they designed, I think, a really underwhelming mission-based mech game uh, is where it just kind of fell apart, you know? And it fell apart to a point where I, a person who normally tries to hang on to a lot of fucking shit, um, someone else in the office asked, like, hey, can you bring the Steel Battalion controller back in so I can mess with it? I was like, sure. Get it? Yes, absolutely. I'll bring it in. Like, packed it all up, brought it back in, never saw it again. <laughs> and I, so I don't have one. I kind of wish I had one, but, uh, but I don't have one. It's fine. Um, it's just, and, and yeah, they did do that multiplayer game, which again, I just, I don't think any of the combat or any of that stuff felt good. Um, and and that's the big problem with it is that just a lot of it just felt fucking bad. A lot of like, it just felt like a bad game with an amazing hook. And, you know, I think for a lot of the reasons we just got done talking about with guitar hero, it's really hard to see anyone really doing this again because of the retail shelf space, you know, especially as, as more and more games move to, you know, as, as digital sales grow and physical sales shrink, you could make two, you know, you, there's two arguments you could make there. You could say like, well, hey, you know, if more and more people are going to buy their games digitally, then why would they ever make anything like this ever again? Or you could say, this is exactly the sort of fucking weird thing they should be making if they want to try to get people to go into stores to buy video games and accessories. Like the the retailers should be desperately trying to get people to make weird shit that requires you to have a physical thing 
so that you have a reason to go into stores to buy a game instead of just clicking a button and downloading it, right? Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it was a beautiful, strange time. And then you know, then they did the Connect only sequel to it, and that sucked in a totally different way. But yeah, I I, I am of the opinion that Steel Battalion is a shitty game. It's amazing. It's notable. It's all of these things. Um, it's it's great that it exists. It's wild. You know, it, it it's the sort of thing. It's fun to fuck with once. If you can find a way to just get yourself like two hours with a copy of Steel Battalion and the controller, you should just do that, and then never have to own one yourself. <laughs> um, because yeah, it's uh. It's not a, it's not a great game, but it's great that it existed. I, you know, I, I think it, it, you know, whether you should have one or not, I think entirely depends on your values and what you value out of a game. You know, if you're the sort of person who's just like, this is interesting and interesting is better than good. Then, um, you know, that's an interesting thing. But yeah, in terms of lasting value, something you're going to come back to or whatever else like, eh. It's the sort of thing you pull out once every I'll tell you like you know there's maybe been two to three times since I uh, no longer had a steel battalion controller that I've thought oh it'd be neat to pull out that shit out again I wish I still had that but I would just hook it up and fuck with it for 20 minutes and be like oh god damn I can't believe it yeah so there you have it that's gonna do it for the emails. Um, thanks everybody for, for watching the show. This is uh this is episode 61. Um, and yeah, you know, I'll be, I'll be here later in the week to play some video games. I don't know what even came is what even came out. I don't know. I still need to play some more remnant too. Um, seems like people are loving it, which is cool. Cause I, I, when I played it back in June, I was like, this seems like something that could be really awesome, but I'm not sure just yet. It was nice to know, like, okay, yeah. All right. I, I, I saw something in that, but, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Baldur's gate three is out around the corner here. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm interested in trying it. Uh, you know, I, I played a little bit of Baldur's gate two. Um, and I think it's cool. They're making another one. I, there's an interesting, like, I don't know if it's a controversy or I, I don't know if this, this seems like we were talking about, you know, the rage based game coverage on YouTube and maybe this came from there, but I, I saw it on TikTok. It was people going like, what? Like people like having outrage over a headline where people were saying like, hey, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 really kind of raises the bar in a lot of ways for, um, you know, like in terms of the amount of story in a game, blah, blah, like all the other stuff. But basically it was an article saying like, don't take this as like the new way going forward. This is not going to like the developers are not going to learn lessons from this game that they will then. And people were like, oh, just because developers want to make the shittiest games possible for as cheap as they can. And there was like this weird rage around this really benign headline that was basically 
saying like, hey, yeah, Baldur's Gate is a big name coming back. They've had a huge advantage in the way that they have developed that game and published that game and put it out that they have been, you know, selling copies of it all along and doing all, you know, it's been the works for years in a way that just doesn't make business sense for a lot of reasons. And, you know, like Baldur's Gate can get away with doing it because they're doing this, 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 and this. You know, there's a lot of very sensible reasons why Baldur's Gate is the way it is and also why developers would look at it and go like, this isn't like a normal case for how games are developed. This this isn't, you know, you're not going to look at this is not going to be like lessons that every big major game developer can take from this in and apply practically to their game. Like it's just... Again, like a very sensible take, I think, to anyone that has been following games for any length of time. You're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. But people took that and ran with it and be like, oh, they just want to make the laziest game. It was like, oh, fucking Jesus Christ, people. Get a fucking grip. Um, real weird. But yeah, you know, it's cool that they're kind of coming to the end of the line on, you know, getting that thing uh, done whatever you know whatever done means these days um and you know i haven't really looked at i haven't really looked at baldur's gate 3 in a very long time so um i don't know i'll take a look at it for sure um i just you know if i can can i you know like all games i approach it and ask myself the question can i fuck a bear and so that's going to be my determining factor if Baldur's Gate 3 is a good game or not. I don't know what the answer is, but you know, if you can fuck a bear in that game, it's probably game of the year. Uh, so, I mean, we'll just have to see. I have been approaching games all year long asking, can I fuck a bear? And the answer is, is all too often no. And frankly, I'm disgusted. Can I pet the dog? I don't care. Can I fuck the bear? And now game developers, big AAA game devs are saying you shouldn't take this as a sign that you're going to be able to fuck the bear in all these other games. I'm like, you lazy fucks. Let the people get what they want. Let them fuck the bear. Don't put it on your battle pass. A season four battle pass. You can pay us $40 if you want to fuck the bear. No out of the box bear fucking experience period end of discussion last of us three let me fuck a bear ghost of tsushima 2 bear fuck city grand theft auto 6 the reason why you haven't seen much of it is because they're totally revamping the bear fucking because the standards changed the game has changed and Rockstar needs to up their game, their bear fucking game. I know. Everyone else is afraid to say it. Not me. We'll be back next week. Enable fuck some bears. I don't know. Can you stream the bear fucking on Twitch? This seems like something they would be like, mm, no, don't. Absolutely not. I guess I don't know what the bear. Fu- I don't know what the bear fucking scene in that game will even look like. But uh, uh. video games, video games got weird. <laughs> anyway, 
yeah, I'll, I'm I'm curious to spend a little time with Baldur's Gate three. It's not not normally my kind of thing these days, but you know, I uh, at times over the decades have played games like that almost exclusively. So who knows? There's always there's always one that'll pull me back in, and what better one than one with some hardcore bear fucking? That's all I'm saying. I'm going to get going. Everybody have a good uh, rest of your Tuesday here. I'll be here on Wednesday uh, to do something with the video games. I don't have anything in front of me. I was like, normally I got something in front of me that I can look at. I go, oh, we'll play this, this, this and this. But um, I don't know. We'll fucking hang out. We'll figure something out. Maybe I, I just, I have had an itch to play some old video games lately and just haven't really been able to, you know, there's been a lot of stuff coming out that, you know, maybe we'll, uh, knock out some retro achievements. Yeah, no, it is, it is our dedicated exo primal stream. Of course. Um, anyway, I'm going to get going. Uh, I'll push the button here. Um, yeah, I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back later in the week, of course. And, uh, we'll, we'll reconvene and do some video gaming. Um, and hey, thanks everybody for the birthday wishes. Yeah, today's today's my birthday. Thanks for the Twitch subs and the hype chats. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. Sign up for the Patreon. You can hop on the Discord. You can be over here. Posting pictures of Peanuts characters dancing. That one guy that does the weird shoulder thing. The creep. Uh, and, uh, you know, all that stuff over there. So, again, patreon.com slash Jeff Gersman. Bonus shows, ad-free podcast, all that other shit. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you soon.